Cole Trickle. Cole, did you have any idea you could run the car line up into that last turn and make it stick like that? I knew it all along. How's that? Well, that last stop, uh, when I came in, Harry put on special tires. Special tires? Uh, Harry Hawk, what's special about it? Well, nothing in particular. You know. Looks like Harry Hawk has a little explaining to do. You... You told me. Well, I, I, I lied. I had to tell you something to calm you down. He was acting like such a candy after the air gun stuck. I figured you'd never get back on a racetrack. You <laughs> son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> Try this on for size, huh? We've got ourselves a sponsor. <laughs> Promise me one thing, boys. Whatever else we do from here, we win Daytona. And welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that does, I think, what it says on the tin. It's the best film ever. My name is Ian. And Liam, this is usually the bit where I go, we go and see lots of films together, don't we, buddy? We do indeed. Yes, and then we have to go, well, it's still the lockdown. If you are listening to this after the lockdown, which I guess would be like 2025, this <laughs> is coming to you right from the heart. The heart I'm going to make it sound nicer. Right from the heart of lockdown. Right from the uh, nestled bosom of coronavirus protection. <laughs> um, and here we are. We are on episode... Liam, do you know what episode we're on today? Um... 15. 16. Very close. 16. Oh! Yeah, very, very, very close. And we've <laughs> had... Get this right. And again, we've had, like, another ridiculously good week. I mean, um, we didn't even do a big announcement about 500, because that happened, like, after we released the last episode. But we're, like, knocking on 600 doors today, Liam. So we're like, yeah. Oh, so as far as a little That's podcast true. that we were going to do just to commemorate, you know, films on a Greatest Hits poster... Uh, somehow we found an audience, and I, I'm, I'm floored every time I check to see what's going on. Yeah, I am. I, I thought we'd only have three listeners. <laughs> well, we, Liam, are a big deal. Something I never thought I would get to announce. We are a big deal in the Philippines and Malaysia. Woo! I know. <laughs> so <laughs> I love it. Whoever you people are in the Philippines and Malaysia, A, let us know who you are, but B, thank you so much. This is, this is absolutely yeah, insane. We're number, I think we're number three in Malaysia, like number 11 in the Philippines. It's just I love nuts. It. Love it. And we're doing okay in Canada, but that's Canada. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Canada. They've got, you know, I left. <laughs> you're, not, you're not getting me back. I don't care what you do. If you put how, how high you put me up there, I left. But, um, but I, I think it's important to give some shout outs. We had some people who really went above and beyond. So uh, I want to give a shout out to a gentleman named Dwayne Smith, who's been engaging with us on like all our social media platforms this week. Someone called Janie Platt, who's been absolutely fantastic, and Scott Kalal Schroeder, who uh, Superman here, who went uh, had a lot to say and comments to make and positive feedback after the Fight Club episode, which was a. Uh... Is this the person that wanted to fight me? Yes. Did you read that? <laughs> I didn't. I couldn't find it. I did look for it. Oh, did you? <laughs> uh... And then someone named Trey Cowart as well, who's been really engaging with us. Is that on? That must be on the Facebook. On the Facebook, yeah. So uh, it's it's. I mean, it's it's nice when people who you know listen to it, Liam. But when there's people out there in the wide world who go, yeah, I'm going to come back for this over and over and over again and engage. That's absolutely flooring. I oh, know it's brilliant. I never thought we'd get listeners like this. No, Never. me either. 
And uh, speaking so thank of... Thank you for all those listeners out there. Yeah, a massive. If this is your first time or your yeah. 16th time, thank you so, so, so much. We so appreciate it. We so really appreciate it. Based on a couple of conversations we had last week, Liam, I ran a couple of polls, okay? And yeah. there's a few things I wanted to sort of uh, get, get across. And the first was, is the allure, is, the, is, does, is Fight Club marginally, not marginally, significantly worse after the reveal happens? And it kind of went 50-50 split. Half people said, yeah, it is, in some, either in some capacity or strongly. And basically half went, no, the film's brilliant, leave it alone. Um, fight me, which is kind of funny for, for Fight Club. Um, and then there were a couple other things. Now, one was me saying The Rock could pull off Tyler, Tyler Durden. And I'm here to say that 100% of people disagreed with me. <laughs> So I officially retire that idea of The Rock as Tyler Durden. However, 100% of people, Liam, agreed with us that Brad Pitt's look is still cool in 2020. Yes, it is. And Richard, bless him, was not in his head. Yeah. And then... Um, that was about it as far as that went. And just one last thing to talk about. Um, there was some movie news that dropped this week. And I thought it warranted talking to you about. Uh, Liam, are you familiar with Kristen Stewart from the uh, Twilight movies? Yes. yes. Um, she was in the new Charlie's Angels. Yeah, she was in that too. She has yeah. been pegged to play Princess Diana in an upcoming film. I'm just kind of wondering yeah. what, what your thoughts on that were. Because I don't. Is she American? Yeah, she's American. Yeah, no. Like, she, she doesn't express emotion, which might do well for playing a British person, because you guys are all, like, stiff upper wow. lip and all that stuff, right? It's going to hinge on her voice. Yeah, I mean... I can get away with the visuals, um, but the voice... If you dye her hair blonde, and the voice there might away. be a resemblance. It's not the right voice, if you, Yeah. Honestly, dude, yeah, I, couldn't I, even, I couldn't even tell you Diana's voice, dude. I couldn't. Probably very. I know when I hear it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> or not, as the case might be, unfortunately, anymore. But yeah. Um, yeah. But as is always the case, Liam, we are joined on our journey here by our two perma guests. Let's allow them to introduce themselves now. Hi, I'm Ellie, and I'm Georgia. At me if you want to fight me about Fight Club. <laughs> It's not good. And we are joined today by a very special guest. We are joined by our friend Richard. Say hello, Richard. Ah, hello, everybody. (laughs) And it's great that Richard's here because Richard and his lovely wife, Debbie, used to host film nights where we used to get together and watch films and talk about films. In essence, before there was a podcast, we just kind of did a live version of this over at Richard's house where we just order a ridiculous amount of food. You know, usually Chinese or Indian or something. Watch, watch a movie, and then and then kind of talk about it afterwards. So we've just basically just added some microphones to the equation, and here we are. And I wanted Richard once I realized this was going to be the thirty year anniversary this week of Days of Thunder. I wanted Richard because I, Richard, I don't think I'm speaking that term when I say you love yourself a car film, and you love uh, yourself absolutely. and you love yourself a Bond film. So the kind of those are your two strengths. <laughs> Not str- those are the kind of two areas that I think of you the most. And I thought if we're having Richard, this is the time. A hundred percent on both both subjects there, Bond and anything car related is that I'm in. So, um, just to the group in general, I mean, um, how do you how do you feel about racing films in general? Have you seen a lot of racing films, Liam? Have you seen a lot of you've seen? I mean, we went and saw Le Mans sixty six. 
If you're in America, I believe you call that Ford versus Ferrari because Le Mans is probably too hard to say or something. I don't know. (laughs) Like aubergine. Like aubergine, yes. (laughs) We love our American listeners, but seriously, why why was it called Ford versus Ferrari? I think they changed the name because Le Mans sounds too like a foreign sounding film. I think that's exactly why it was called that. Yeah, Yeah. so Ford Ferrari sounds more... It does front load <laughs> Ford. Ford is one of those brands that screams Americana, doesn't it? And yeah. by pushing that yeah, to the fore, yeah. yep. you get that. Richard, have you seen Le Mans? Uh, no, I haven't. It's not one I've, I'm familiar with at all. No. It's really good, actually. I would. I, yeah, I, true, I, I do highly rate it. But uh, I will. I, I will take it on recommendation from you that it's a good film, and I will at some point have a look. There we Absolutely. go. Absolutely, that might even be a future one. I mean, it's it's really good. I think it warrants actually a close look at at, at some point. Uh, Richard, I'm assuming, well, I, I know you've seen this before, because I believe we saw this at yours at one point. I uh, think. And a familiarity with myself on Saturday and watched it again. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. That's what you should do before coming on a podcast. You should watch the film again. <laughs> like um, I did this morning. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've done a little homework, yes. Uh, Georgia, have you seen this I've before? I've done none. <laughs> No, I hadn't seen it before watching it today. No. Okay, so you haven't seen it before, and Ellie, you hadn't seen it before. I have not, no. Yes, whereas for for me, Liam, this is and maybe Richard, this is this is old hat, right? Like I've seen, I, I saw this when it came out. You know, we had this movie channel in Canada. I guess it's equivalent like Sky Movies, and it was called First Choice. And First Choice was like that pay movie channel, where like you know, but unlike now, where it's like all on demand, and you can just sort of I want to watch it now. You'd have to like get out the magazine and go. If I want to watch Days of Thunder, it's going to be on next Saturday at seven p.m. So we need to make sure we watch and get the VHS tape ready because we're paying like thirty bucks a month for First Choice. So make sure we record set. it. Yeah, <laughs> set the rec- that's what we do up. with the. That's what we do with the telly magazine at Christmas. It's the only time we get a telly magazine, but we still do get one every Christmas so we can <laughs> see what's on on the telly. <laughs> so well, how much has changed? Uh, introduction to Days of Thunder was we had a magazine when I was a kid called Look In. Okay. And uh, it used to have a poster on the back of the magazine. And this particular magazine that I got one day uh, had Days of Thunder on the back with him standing in his overalls. And I thought, oh, my God, that looks an amazing movie. And I was only, I think I was about 10. Was it 1990 that came out? Yes. Yeah, yeah I was about 10. And I remember seeing that, and that was my first introduction to Days of Thunder. And I thought, this is going to be a good movie. Now, we are here in the UK as we record this. Not that we're going to be somewhere else like later in the week. (laughs) (laughs) It's locked in the UK this episode. We live in the. Yes. It's like like that that season of the Grand Tour on Amazon where they took the the, the show to a different country every week. Now, as we live in the UK, I mean, this is very much like Formula One country, open wheel racing, um, that sort of thing going on. Whereas NASCAR is very much the American South. Uh, Richard, you're the biggest racing fan of, of, of the group. I can definitely say that without any <laughs> qualification. Uh, do you have any any, any familiarity with, with NASCAR and the like? Um, I have caught some of the coverage uh, um, o- over here. Um, it's getting bigger over here, I believe. Um, our closest um, thing to it would be the British Touring Car Championship. Okay. R- really. Um, and banger car racing banger car racing is great (laughs) which to be fair this movie did its best to try and represent nascar as banger car racing yes well slightly rubbing not bumping yes rubbing rubbing's racing um is racing nascar i mean nascar is made for your adhd um 
television sort of audience because there's always someone passing someone and there's always going to be crashes and you know as opposed to f1 where you can sit there now and sometimes and watch the same cars parade around in the same order for the majority of the race um you know nascar gives you the opposite of that but you know they're just turning left for like three hours straight so you got to kind of choose your uh your perspective uh, uh, more, on that. more lap more laps and more crashing yes yes and more laps and more crashing. <laughs> i mean really i mean it's like times square in a sense comes onto a race pit because just watching all the pretty colors go around isn't it mm. <laughs> pretty much yeah i mean nascar in the last 10 years has gotten huge in canada like we didn't used to pay it any mind and that's in general i mean nascar was a southern american sport as a couple lines in this sort of demonstrate but i think days of thunder is part of it i think it's most at least from from a canadian's perspective i imagine it'd be similar here it was probably my first under exposure to nascar was the film days of thunder i'm not sure i really gave it any any notice before that um yeah i I tend to agree Yeah. yeah i weren't exposed to it until then so let's have a look. Days of Thunder, 1990, directed by Tony Scott. And Liam, do you remember what other film Tony Scott directed with Tom Cruise in it? Top Gun. Top Gun, indeed. And dun, 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 dun. That one of the cars said Top Gun dust. on it. Sorry? I'm sure one of the cars had a sticker that said Top Gun. Really? That would be interesting. No, no, no. no. No, it was Die Hard. It was Die Hard. Never mind. It, does, it doesn't count. All right. <laughs> I was, I'm confusing movies. Apparently, they're the same thing in my head. <laughs> story. Still a good spot. The story of Die Hard. Not Die Hard. I saw a car with Mellow Yellow on it. Yes, indeed. I, I did too. I also saw one that said Tide Pods. I appreciated that one. Well, just Tide. It wouldn't be Tide Pods. Tide Pods didn't exist for over 20 years. Yeah, but they are Tide. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be like saying i saw an ad for apple computers and going oh look an apple watch ad anyway the story for this was actually written by one robert town and one tom cruise which really? bloom i only found this out about 20 minutes before we we started recording and tom cruise i imagine he must have been on the set of for the love of money because he was with paul newman and they were yeah. racing around race cars. And uh, t- someone let them, uh, some local NASCAR guy, let them have a few goes at their race car. And they said that Tom got up to 180 miles an hour on his go because Tom's a bit of an adrenaline junkie, as is well established. And this is when he had the idea for we should make a movie out of this, which is funny because this is like one of the few films they wouldn't let Tom do the majority of his own stunts. He did some of them. He does do some driving. Oh. But a lot of it was, 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 was backup drivers. It's kind of ironic, really, that... Um Tom Cruise would get introduced to racing through Paul Newman because Paul Newman has his own race team. Yes. Paul Newman, Newman's been Newman doing Haas, I believe a it's lot called. of racing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously, he don't race now, but no. back in the day, he was huge. Yes, he was. Huge in the racing. And so, although it was directed by Tony Scott, it was produced by the super team of uh, Jay Don Simpson, Simpson, Don Simpson, sorry, and, and Jerry Bruckheimer. Don, yeah. And actually, this was a giant issue because these two were out of control. Doing the research for this film was great. They were like the biggest rock star movie stars on the set. They were like, they uh, had themselves a gym built. They called it Days of Thunder. If you look at the pictures online, it's like the green and black car that Tom drives most of the film. It's like threw up over a gym. They had like, there's stories of them like hiring like, 
basically prostitutes and like having them hang out with like parties and like it was in a special like roped off area that only the two of them and Tom Cruise were able to access. <laughs> Nobody else would. <laughs> like it's really weird. And at the start, like uh, they started principal photography in early 1990, but it was delayed so much because Simpson and Bruckheimer wouldn't stop arguing with each other. And literally they'd be on set for 20 hours and nothing would get shot. <laughs> Liam. From, uh, yep. from what I hear, from way back when, Don Simpson was really the more uh, charismatic one of the two. Yeah. And he was the one who's taken all the drugs, the one who wanted all the women. And um, mm. I think that caused tension between the two. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think even Don Simpson makes an appearance in the film. He does. He does. As one of the drivers. He does. Right? Yes. Yeah. There's even a story about them having Donna Karen dresses ready that they would like use to like entice women to come to these parties. Like, they would annoying. find beautiful women and say, we've got Donna Karen dresses for you. I'm like, this sounds a little predatorial, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so as a result, uh, their budget like skyrockets from 35 million to over 70. Um, Whoa. And ironic. So. Th- once you put everything else in, they went, it has to make a hundred to break even because it doesn't include, as we always yeah. say, it doesn't include marketing. So a hundred mil was needed to break even. And this is like how bad the schedule was when it was, it was days after they wrapped shooting before they realized we forgot to shoot Tom Cruise's car crossing the finish line at Daytona. <laughs> they, for, really? they forgot to shoot the singular winning moment of the entire <laughs> film. <laughs> so they, uh, Ended up making $157 million, so well over the $100 million. It made $40 million more in rentals. Um, and just kind of, um, which was good. It's really, really good for a film, but it was short of what they thought the film was going to make. Yeah. And a really int- a 35 cars were destroyed because these weren't actual <laughs> stock cars they were racing. They just took like regular Chevys, like took off like the... Uh, took off like the steel plates or whatever the siding's made of or whatever it is and put like fiberglass yeah. over it so the, the cars couldn't <laughs> handle the speeds they were being driven at. And as Liam said, Don Simpson played race car driver Aldo Benedetti and it was supposed to be a much bigger part. He was supposed to be like an early rival of, of Cole in the opening scenes, but his acting was so oh. bad they had to cut like 95% of what they shot because oh, they wow. just couldn't yeah, rest him. Yeah. But he insisted that uh, Tony Scott write him into the movie. And so they tried for one man's ego trip and it just didn't work out. And this ruined the relationship between these two producers and Paramount. After this was over, it was done. They walked. And they went and did a three-movie deal with um, Disney, actually, as a result. Uh, so let's go ahead and talk about we start off the film and we have a bunch of race car um, sort of here's the scene and the environment of race cars. We're going to show you, you know, cloudy skies with the sun going down or coming up with all these great American racetracks. And then we start seeing flags. <laughs> we see American flags and we see state flags and we see the Confederate flag. <laughs> Which is timely, actually, because NASCAR has just banned the flying of Confederate flags at their events as a result of the Black Lives Matter movement, Um, which long overdue, long overdue. Um, But I mean, like, that's a huge, I mean, NASCAR is the American South, and we see that come up very early in the film. And so we get a little bit of the idea. So can I just raise a question? Yeah. Can I just raise a question, right? If that getting rid of the Confederate flag... Where do we stand with um, Dukes of Hazard? <laughs> that show that 
all it's the across time. yeah it's across the roof of the general lee yeah it is across the roof of the general lee uh i don't know <laughs> I don't think we're in danger of doing the Johnny Knoxville version of uh, Dukes of Hazard anytime soon on the podcast, but um, it's 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 a, it's a tricky one um, for you and me, Liam, and maybe for Richard. Uh, that represents a part of our childhood, you know, the Dukes of Hazard. And there's nothing wrong with yeah. the Dukes. The Dukes were the Dukes were good old boys and all that stuff. But for many people, that flag represents persecution. And it's been it's been used by other people in in dangerous ways. So I guess my perspective, and you're not uh, obligated by any means to agree or, or, or disagree, would just be that yeah, it it, it stinks. I can't you know that I, I can't have that anymore. If you want to put it that way, but I think it's a sacrifice yeah. that I'm going to have to make. I know people who argue very vehemently. It's got nothing to do with the Dukes of Hazard, and therefore we should still have it. Uh, I, I would respectfully disagree, but. Um, I do. Uh, there is part of me that goes. I will miss that. I will say that much. Not the but flag. Not the flag. Yeah. But I will miss the car. I will miss the show. All that stuff. Yeah. 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 Same. It, it's. It was my childhood growing up. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think. I think for us over here, we don't have the same understanding of the Civil War that went on over there. No, you wouldn't. And, and what so, the flag means. And so, for you, the so flag really is the Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I. I totally get that. Yeah. Um, and we're back at the track. It's race day. And you know what I love about a racing movie is when they show you how hot it is on the ground and like the, it, you know, like bends the light the as a result, hate. the heat, yeah. it's almost like this invisible steam. Hate. Oh my word. That looks so cool. Every time I see it in any movie, I go, yes. And then we get <laughs> easily pleased. Yeah, for sure. And then we start with, we're going to be introduced to the main man, Rowdy Burns, Rowdy Burns, the best driver on the planet. Played by Michael Rooker. Did anybody recognize Michael Rooker? Yes. Yes. Yeah. What do you recognize him from? Do you know? Uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, he plays Yondu in Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. The, the blue guy with the mohawk. Oh, that's why he's familiar. The whole, the whole, I'm, okay. the whole I'm Mary Poppins, bitch. Like that whole thing. That's, that's yeah. this guy. It took yeah. me, I was a good, I might have been like to the end of finishing Guardians 1 when I finally went, that's the guy from because I didn't know from anything. It was it was uh, Days of Thunder and then Guardians and like twenty five years in between. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, same. It, it's only the voice that gave it away. Really, it, it is the voice. Yeah, and that sort of really crotchety demeanor. Yes, and yeah. cold. And so as this happens, we cut to a farm and we're getting the backstory through the radio. And we should remember it's the one year anniversary since the death of driver buddy so-and-so in the car by Harry Hogg. And as luck would, like, hey, you're not going to go ahead and stop you. Let's remind you someone who's not here and ignore the race. But it was, it's a little backstory through this. And we get our our big suit, uh, our car dealership man, Tim, played by Randy Quaid. I love, I like Randy. He's very good in this, I think. Yeah. He is very good. And he's play he's going to talk to Harry. And the idea is that Tim wants to get back in the racing game and he's got a driver. And Harry goes, Well, who are you gonna get for a driver? I mean, it's the season started. So the good ones are already taken up. So what you're gonna be left with are old has-beens or kids who aren't good enough to participate anyway. And he kind of goes, Yeah, yeah, all right, but you gotta come see this kid. And so we go ahead, we go to the the, the track. And it's the test drive, and we see Rowdy going around, and everyone goes, oh, that's a race car driver, which is important because as, as an audience member, I don't know a thing about – I know less than Tom Cruise knows about racing. So how do you get the audience to know who's good and who's bad? You have a character cut away and goes, oh, he's good. And they go, oh, he is good. 
And because, somebody because, with a stopwatch. Yeah, because they all look really fast when they're going around. They do. They do, yeah. And so they go ahead and they go, oh, he's really, really fast. And then they start talking about who's this mystery driver? And then someone goes, he's from California. And they go, he's a Yankee? And Yankee is a term used by the South for the North. The North were the Yankees and the South were, I don't know what they were called, but they weren't Yankees. They Yankees and they? Confederates, yeah. I, I don't know if I don't know if Confederate was a slang because it would be the Union and the Confederacy. Maybe you would be a Confederate oh, okay. by yourself. Um, yeah. And so, and Rowdy goes, "Well, who is this driver?" And it's like he was waiting for his entry line because then, <laughs> yep, <laughs> pulling his motorcycle onto the racetrack in what is the most diva esque move for some unproven rookie. Here comes Tom Cruise on a motorcycle. Oh, yes. Now, what is it, Richard, with Tom Cruise and Tony Scott movies where he's got to be on a bloody motorcycle? <laughs> uh, well, it, Tom Cruise actually has his own motorcycle specially built for him. So, obviously, this is a young Tom Cruise, so I can ride, ride motorcycles. So, <laughs> Tony Scott uses his abilities to, to uh, enter... Into the character. I bet you. The star. Because when you talk about writing story, your, your your obligation for writing story is just here's what happens in the movie, kind of like bullet point style. And then the script yeah. was by the second writer, Robert Town. But I bet you Tom Cruise went, and I'm going to enter on a motorcycle. And they went, yeah, all right, Tom. Enter me on a motorbike. <laughs> can, we, can we have some sort of smoke I can ride through? Not yet. Smoke, <laughs> smoke will be really important later, Tom, but I want smoke just later. Trust me. Give me some haze. Give me some haze. <laughs> It was very shiny, though. And so he goes ahead and we find out he's got to ride um, the motor. He's got to ride the car of Rowdy. And Rowdy's having second thoughts about this all of a sudden. And finally goes, okay, ride my car. He says, but I think the quote was, but if you bend the car, I'll tear your balls off. If you bend, if you bend this bitch, I'll tell you. Oh, if you bend, okay, there we go. And then he goes and he sits. What beautiful imagery. And he sits. <laughs> he sits on the motorcycle, too. Yes, you guys know that yeah. Rowdy sits on the bike to go. You mess with my, th- you're not coming back for this bike if you do but, that. But it's also Tom Cruise puts down his bag on the bonnet of the car. Yeah. Oh, did he? I missed up. that. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's so like, it's, all, it's very much two dogs marking all, some territory here. Uh, well, absolutely. Yeah. Like disrespectful to jump someone else's bike. Especially because yeah. Well, that, yeah, but I mean, he, he's riding his car. It's a matter of don't touch my stuff. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of this movie is the idea of old lion, young lion, right? Yeah. yeah. The old yeah. guy doesn't want to give his spot up and the young kid doesn't know enough that he should be more respectful than he is. And it's a, it's a, it's a theme and a motif with several characters in this film. Yeah. Are the lions' names Ryan and Samson? No, that's the other podcast. But no. <laughs> no, this 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 was a film no. where I cared about the relationships. If, here uh, I'm the I'm the champion, and I am the big kingpin in 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 the championship. You know, you're just a rookie. You're just coming in. Exactly. And so yeah. there's, there's a lot of that. I mean, so much that Robert Duvall, who we haven't talked about really that much yet. I mean, he's, oh. ready, he's ready to walk. Like, he sees Tom Cruise on the motorcycle, and he's going, oh, I can't do this. I'm out. I'm out. Just let him run. And finally, Tom goes, let me run. I won't embarrass you out there. Yeah. I'm like, What's he, like, how are you going to embarrass? I guess by being a joke. But he's just saying you're a joke. Like, there's, no, there's nothing in this that's going to embarrass Duvall. Duvall's 100% against this kid. But they find yeah, there's no him. relationship between them yet either. Yeah, because Duvall no. goes, I know a race car driver when I see one, and he ain't one. And I'm like, all right, fair enough. Um, yeah. And then they get on the radio, and uh, he gets in there, and he goes, just take it nice and steady. And then, sure enough, he gets like one lap in. And he's like, I'm dropping the hammer. 
And Duvall's like, oh, no, you're not. And sure enough, yes, he is. And this is when the score and the theme for this movie is so good. A lot of his score is kind of eh. So good. But the theme is yeah. so good. And did you catch who Hans did Z- Yeah, Hans Zimmer. Yeah, Hans Zimmer. Ha- Han- Hans Zimmer knows how to do, like, sort of high-energy um, scores. Is this the third Hans Zimmer score we've looked at? Because mm. Zimmer did Gladiator, did he not? Yeah. Gladiator yeah. and Dark Knight. And now Dark this. Knight. This is the third. Yeah. I think he would go on and do Rush later on as well. So he likes him a car driving. Oh, yes. He likes him a car driving movie. So Hans Zimmer is great. I saw his name on the opening credits and went, at least I'm gonna like the music. And I did. It was it it was good. Okay. I personally think the music is a big driving force of this film. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Um, And so just in case we weren't sure, we have our first cutaway of John C. Riley, who's in this film, another repeat performer. Mr. Cellophane himself is out there and he's looking impressed as he looks up. So we're going, oh, he must be fast because the movie needs to tell me he's impressed. Wreck-It Ralph himself is hanging out. He's not wrecking (laughs) things. He's fixing things in this film. (laughs) Uh, And this is where they go, who? They get the stopwatch out and go, that was better than Rowdy's time. And Rowdy looks all mad. Yeah. And then go someone... And go, go and get yourself a car and see how you do in a crowd. Exactly. And then, but as he gets out, John C. Riley goes to him and goes, that was fast. Just in case we missed it. <laughs> in case you missed every other indicator, but this was good. We Someone goes, that was fast. And so this is where Duvall and Cruz get in a conversation about what is a stock car? And the idea of a stock car, basically they're supposed to be built the same. And if they're built the same, the best driver should win. Yeah. And we get our first of two scenes this happens where Harry starts talking to the car. And he's sort of like in his, his little garage. He's got built in his barn. He's like rubbing the, the sort of pipes, the steel frame of the car and telling him, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make you fast. But you got to take the car really weirdly. I kind of liked it. It, it. it made me uncomfortable. Did it? Okay. <laughs> uh, there's a lot uh, of horns. It's what you it's what you do as a as a a lead man, a car builder. It's what you do. You talk to it. You nurture it. And so we get lots of horns and lots of synths, and then we're ripped from that by "Give Me Some Lovin'" by oh, who is it? Who's Tom Waits? Tom Waits? No. no? Is it Tom Waits? I looked it up earlier. Spencer Davis. No. No? Okay, someone's looked it up. Anyway. Somebody waits. So we get to Spencer Waits? Anyway, moving on. Um, So we get to the NASCAR montage, and it's giving some love, and we get the idea that this is when Rowdy basically beats up Tom Cruise's car the whole time. The Spencer Davis group. Um, Thank you. And we go, you know. And there's a great scene where, like, as as Rowdy keeps hitting Cole and Cole keeps hitting the wall, we cut to, um, oh, what's the guy? Harry going, oh, there goes the fender. Oh, there goes the quarter <laughs> panel. And then he comes into pit and he goes, what I want you to do, Cole, is I want you to go out there and I want you to hit the pace car. He goes, hit the pace car. He goes, yeah, because you hit everything else on the racetrack. <laughs> I want you to be perfect. And a lot of these things that happen are actually based on old NASCAR stories that actually did happen. And this is one of them. Yep. This is one of those things that occurred in the past. Mm, that's cool. Uh, we have a uh, a night race. And uh, everything, again, he gets hit. He crashes. 
And then John C. Riley's character, uh, what was his character's name again? It was But not Buzz Buck Buck. Was it Buck? Buck goes, "Oh look, a spot we don't have to fix." <laughs> so Harry <laughs> kicks it and goes, "I don't want you getting spoiled." Yeah, one of one of Robert Duvall's best lines in the film. Yes, uh, we get to Dover and like he re- someone cuts him off, and so he has to go around them and crashes at full speed into pit lane. And then the best one is the next one, I think, when there's going, I got to come in, I got to pit. And he's got Harry going, no, I'm afraid you can't pit right now. He goes, why not? He says, oh, because <laughs> we're all hot. We just all sat down to, to an ice cream. And you get the <laughs> shot. You get the shot from Tom Cruise's perspective as he drives by and they're all eating ice cream. He says, I'd invite you in. They're mighty good. But I don't think NASCAR would appreciate you trying to eat one of these. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets out of the car and like chases after Harry and everyone's holding him back. And there was a lot of Harry chasing, being chased by Tom Cruise in this film. Mm, uh, and then finally there's an intervention and Tim, the suit has determined we only have so many, I think he says we only have two more races and then I'm out of money. So this gives us our race against time. Right. And there, I don't know if you noticed it, Richard, there is a giant Coke machine in the background of this shot. Oh yes. Product placement. <laughs> Product placement to an absolute T. And there's no communication. They're, they're, both, they're both yelling about each other, but to Tim. And um, Cole says that Harry is an old fart. He says he's antiquated. And he says, well, why don't you realize there's nothing I can't do in a race car? And he storms out. And Tim mm-hmm. tries to tell Harry, I know you're great. You know you're great. But all that means nothing if the guy in the car doesn't trust you. That's right. It's a great line. And so they have yeah, a bit, great, great they have a bit of a come to Jesus meeting in the bar. And Cole is still in his suit. He still looks like the preppy kid who doesn't belong in the American South. And Robert Duvall's got his trucker cap on. And these are two people from two different worlds. And this is where Cole reveals he knows nothing about cars. At which point I went, I can fully relate to you there, buddy, because I have no idea either. Um, And so so just to show they're back on the – so Duvall goes, okay, well, we'll teach you the vocabulary. We'll come up with something. And the remedy we see in the very next scene – He's racing around the track in practice going, oh, her ass is all over the place. And he goes, oh, it's good. It's good. And we're like, okay, they're starting to, they're starting to interact. That bond is starting to happen. And I think it's very much a father-son dynamic they're building between the two of them. Yeah. 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 Which, which you, um, in the modern day Formula One, there's very much a relationship between driver and the guy on pit, pit wall, uh, the guy on the radio, as it were, like the, the developing character, the developing relationship that these two are now getting. Yeah, um, I think you're 100% right. Trust. And both afraid because we know that Harry and his backstory has lost a driver. Yes. Cruz has been very cagey about why he lost his last ride, but you get that there's a bit of mutual apprehension on both sides to connect. Liam, what were you thinking about that, buddy? Oh, no, I was just thinking about the whole not knowing about the car and stuff. Um, when Jacques Villeneuve came over to Formula One... That's Canada's own Jacques Villeneuve. Yeah, yeah he, didn't ha- he didn't know how to set up the car. No. So Damon Hill, his teammate, would set up, go out set up his car on his setup, and Jacques Villeneuve would drive on Damon Hill's setup. Yeah. Some drivers so, just know how to drive, and some know how yeah. the machine works. Again, another example yeah, exactly. that would be Rush, because we had Nicky Lauda, who very much knew yes. exactly what a car does. Versus yeah. James Hunt, who just got it and drove fast. Yes. Yeah, he was just a raw talent. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And so then we have my favorite metaphor, so much so that I actually use this in my classes. And it is the tires speech. And we cut to them <laughs> in the stands, and he goes, tires win races. 
And Cole goes, what the hell are you talking about, Harry? And I'm like, come on, even, even I can get this idea, Tom. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But he goes, yeah. you know, you, you don't melt the tires. And so he goes, you do 50 laps your way, then 50 laps my way, and then we'll see who's faster. And mm-hmm. um, I, I was just a teacher to go, please start, you know, do your assignments the way I want you to do them. Because trust me, I've been here before. I know how it works. And you do it my way, you'll score higher. You just will. Because I've been here before. And this is the yeah. speech he's trying to give. And at the end, we have this great, like, despite the fact that he does the 50 laps, he comes in and Duvall goes up to him and goes, all right. And he gives him this really cute thing about how the car now weighs twice as much and the tires now half as wide. But he actually gives him no instruction on how he said, like, as sort of a cute little anecdote, there was no instruction about what he should do. He just said, no, don't, no. he just said, don't let your tires melt. Now, I guess for the audience, we don't want to get bogged down in the details, but he actually gives him no pointers that we can tell. No. But Tim comes by at the end of the training session and we see a melted set of tires and some perfect tires. And he goes, points to the perfect tires. He goes, this is my way. And we were six seconds faster. And so we get the idea that they're both learning to accept the other's strengths to come to a yes. successful conclusion. And just in time for that, we go to Darlington. And everybody's looking sad because the car is not fast enough. And just to show mm-hmm. how far Tom Cruise has come, he walks up to Duvall, to, to Harry, and pats him on the shoulder and says, Car's perfect, Harry. Don't change a thing. Which is just what Rowdy said in the opening um, test drive. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And we learn that turn four is dangerous. And we jump into the race. He's 12th with 30 laps to go. And then we go to 15 laps to go. He's up to like eighth. And we hear him go, remember, now, I need you to know this. Don't pass on the outside of turn four. Now, most NASCAR races are about 150 to 200 laps. Why did he wait 135 laps to tell him, <laughs> don't pass on the... <laughs> I know this is the part which is important for the script, but still. <laughs> it's, it's a good but point. You could, have had that, you could have had that at the beginning of the race, just like him leaning into his window going, and remember, like, and then that would have made more sense rather than leaving it like 130 laps to go. Exactly. And so it feels like a, a key time to say uh, they were so far behind schedule that often they were still writing script on the days they were shooting. And so Tom Cruise didn't have a chance to memorize it. So they would tape the script to his windshield, which, of course, if you can try and, you know, everything we know now about distracted driving, it didn't take long before Tom Cruise crashed the car because he was trying to read the lines. <laughs> so after that, they decided maybe we should just feed him the lines into his earpiece. And they went, yeah, it's a much better idea. <laughs> <laughs> And so he gets the lead on Rowdy, and then there's a pit mistake with the tires and the air gun jams. Now, I'm asking this, Richard. You watch a lot of races. Why are they changing the tires with three laps to go? Everybody's got a pit as the line goes. There's yeah. pit, but you don't there have to change. A, man- a mandatory pit stop, and it has to be done at some point. You have to change the tires, though. You, don't, I mean, you, you, can, just, you can just refuel. Um, yeah, but maybe there is points. I don't quite understand NASCAR in terms yeah. of the points situation. Maybe there's a points system for fastest lap, and they're aiming for that. Again, it's not in the script, but yeah. maybe. Because we're told they have to do well, or else they don't have enough money, so they need a sponsor. Yeah. And so um, they get back on the track, and he's back to, like, I don't know, third. He's third with two laps or four laps or five laps to go. And this is when Harry says, now, I want you to go on the outside on turn four. And he goes, you told me never to go. Well, I put some special tires on the car. You'll be <laughs> fine. At which point, Tim is screaming into his microphone from just off. You're going to get him killed. Yeah. But Tom Cruise. This is literally the equivalent of, like, you saying something over this podcast and me going, 
don't do it, don't do it, you'll do it, and, like, and pretend that you can't hear me. But Tom like, Cruise doesn't hear, and he just goes, yeah. when it comes to the car, Harry, I take you at your word. Yep, and sure, I trust you. He comes on the outside, and he wins to that glorious Days of Thunder theme. Mm-hmm. And um, we find out there's an interview after the race, and he goes, what are these special tires? And he goes, well, nothing special about them. And so, again, we have Tom Cruise chasing Robert Duvall as he runs away in joy. <laughs> and Tim grabs them both because Tom Cruise and Duvall aren't very tall men and grabs them both around and goes, whatever happens from here, boys, promise me we win Daytona. And I'm going, OK, movies established what the end goal is going to be. Yeah, Act mm-hmm. three is going to be about Daytona. Yep. And then we cut to the evening celebration. They're right in the back of Valori. And they're drinking, Robert Duvall's drinking moonshine, which will be important for a a little bit. (laughs) And uh, they're sharing stories about what happened. And Cole reveals he lost his last ride because the guy who he was riding for was using his name to sell bogus stolen yachts. And then we find out that that lowlife son of a bitch. Oh, by the way, this movie loved the swear word son of a bitch. Everybody said this. Yep, it's the done deal. It is. And the son of Lulovich is his father. And this is where we find out that why Cole doesn't trust people. I don't trust them. They don't trust me. And he even says to Harry, and a little bit muted, you lied to me today. Well, oh, I knew yeah. you didn't. He goes, no, you lied to me today. And there's a little bit of this going, no, he's, he, there's still a trust issue there, which is then um, we then see the worst amateur wrestling match of all time. As Robert Duvall, 59, decides he's going to try and tackle Tom Cruise and is winded within. What about that? You just ruined the age game. No, I haven't. The character said he was 59. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea what their actual ages are. It's Hollywood. For all I know, Robert, Robert Duvall's 35. Hollywood, baby. <laughs> um, and then we have. Um, but we. We also get the um, story of how Buck's father died. Yes. As well. uh, what, what do you remember about that, Richard? Um, that his Buck's father was uh, Buddy Bretherson, and he died. Uh, he hit the wall. Now Harry Hogg said he would have been dead before he hit the wall. He died of a heart attack. But NASCAR were investigating. Yeah. So that's why Robert Duvall got out quick before NASCAR investigated. And this is part of a deal why he gets back is that Tim makes this all go away. Oh, how does Tim make this go away? Tim is like a runt in the, in the NASCAR <laughs> setup, but somehow mm. he's managed to like smooth this over. But you want to talk about like paying for your sins. Like, you know, uh, is it Buck? That's his name, right? Buck? Mm-hmm. Like Buck yep. works with Harry. So you have to look at the son of the guy who died in your care every day. How yeah, does that yeah. not haunt you? Yeah, 100% it would, um, but perhaps he sees him as I'm the father figure and maybe, I'll take him under my Maybe wing. it's my responsibility now, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then, uh, thankfully, there's someone else in the in the vehicle. Buck has a girlfriend for this scene and this scene really alone. <laughs> so we can have this explanation and go, there's two types of drivers. There's calculated drivers and there's kamikaze drivers. And he points to Cole and says, our boy Cole here is a kamikaze driver. <laughs> like, that's a badge of, like, honor. <laughs> <laughs> And then they get pulled over by the cops and they pull them over and it's the moonshine. And one of the cops pushes Cruz against the uh, carriage of a lorry and goes, oh, I found something concealed weapon and like cups his groin. And the only question is, and she tears open his button fly 1990 jeans and says, <laughs> uh, the only question is, 
does he know how to use it or will he use it? And she rips open her shirt and he goes, I'm sorry, Harry and the boys flashes, flashes the hair. Harry and the boys (laughs) thought you'd like me. It's an important scene for later in the film for a joke they're going to do. Um, I'll tell you what, Harry was so it's like he hadn't seen a half naked woman in 45 years. (laughs) He's 59. Let's say 40 years. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I'm just like, he was like, Oh, who dog? Easy here. There's there's wolf whistles and cheering. Are are we to understand this is a prostitute? That's, that's, That's what's happened here. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. a prostitute. Well, a stripper. Yeah, yeah. Is this a stripper? Yeah. I think it's a prostitute. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's a prostitute. Because yeah. the question is, yeah. will he use it? Like strippers yeah. don't usually. Well, I, I, not that I would know, but strippers don't <laughs> touch. I'm glad I be- you cleared that up. I believe the concept <laughs> is that strippers, you know, are from a distance and they don't touch. You know, they are very good at social distancing. Is my understanding about strippers? <laughs> there is a there is a divide, and it shall not be crossed. So, Unless you show money. I think it's a prostitute. In which case, is this the most elaborate setup ever for a prostitute? Ever? Like, we are going to, like, A, they're breaking a law by pretending that they're law enforcement. Like, they pull a vehicle yeah. over with sirens. I think it's well, two well, I think it's two cars well, as well. Multiple male actors to help sell the ruse. Exactly. What about the, the, male, the male sheriff and the other police officers, you know? Like I, f- I forget what the name was of the company who uh, sponsors them, but are they aware that their money's going towards this? <laughs> well, I, I highly uh, doubt. It. <laughs> very underhanded. Yes. Either way, this is a very expensive yes. stripper slash prostitute. <laughs> and then we cut to the next race, and we actually find out there's some time that's been jumped because now Cole Trickle is the hottest rookie in NASCAR history because hyperbole helps, and we find out he's won five of the last six races. Um, we look and see, I don't know if you noticed, Tim is starting to get more stylish. He's getting more and more kind of sleazy corporate bad guy with every race that the, goes along. The, the cheap 80s suits are disappearing now. Yeah. And it's, a, like he's got like, like still like douchebag 90 suits are, are, are replacing them, but they are more stylish than they were before. Yeah. And there's a big race crash and Rowdy goes in first and then Cole goes in after and he picks his lane. And the problem is the one thing you don't need is Rowdy to hit the brakes once he gets through the smoke, which apparently is what happened because he's sideways and has spun out or something's happened and he should have been gone. And Cole hits him. The thing with oval racing is that any accident that happens on the high side of the track should already be falling to the bottom, so she should should be able to drive right through. Yeah, it's part of the reason why it's why it's banked, isn't it? Is the idea that gravity kind of helps you out. Yeah, yeah. And so it ends up they both go to the hospital, and we have a cross cut between how they're 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 handling it. And Rowdy is just angry. He refers to himself as not being a car battery, whereas uh, Cole's scared and he's blind and he doesn't understand and he's really freaking out. And mm-hmm. then enter Dr. Lewicki, Claire Lewicki, played by um, Nicole Kidman, who yeah. I was in love with for most of my young adult life. And Tom Cruise was after this film. Tom Cruise was after this film? You might even argue Tom Cruise was before this film, because Tom Cruise handpicked yeah. Nicole Kidman to be in this role. He, he did mm. indeed. I've seen her in Dead Calm. It's true, Yes. Which, if you consider yeah. that they would then get married, it comes off as a little creepy. Yeah, it does. It's kind of like he's using. It's kind of like he's using. He's using the film. <laughs> he's using the film as his own like sort of uh, Tinder. 
Yeah, Tinder. Actually, he had podcast as my own personal yes. site, but it's not working. <laughs> but but it's well, like, let's branch out to this like, one then. It's George. like rather than have an app on your phone, he just had like headshots. He's going, no, no, no. <laughs> yes, this is the one. This is the one. And do you know who the one? Do you know who they actually really wanted early in this in the process was Robin Wright. Oh, who you might remember oh, as really? Princess Buttercup from the Princess Bride. Oh, yeah, I remember it was Claire Underwood from House of Cards. There we go. But... <laughs> and of course, we, this makes our one, it's our second, if you call Hans, Hans Zimmer, it's our third. But we've already done a Nicole Kidman film. Actually, this is the link with the, with, uh, with Debbie and Richard. They've both been guests on a Nicole Kidman episode. Because we had <laughs> Debbie help us with Moulin Rouge. And now here we have Nicole Kidman again in Days of Thunder. A little bit younger. Hey. A little bit younger. She's 23. Nowhere near old enough to, oh my word. Okay, I screwed that one up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness, let's just not bother today with no, the age I, game. I say the age game, we all confidently go, I think she's 23. <laughs> she would be, she would be no... Did you hear that Nicole Kidman might have been 23 while she filmed this film? She would be nowhere near old enough to play a neuropsychologist at this time. Uh, <laughs> and here's the question I think we have to ask. Well, actually, as a side note, she wanted to study neuropsychology to prep her for the role, and they kind of went... It's not really going to be that in depth of a neuropsychology <laughs> role here, love. We just need you to kind of look pretty, so he, you know, so he confuses you for a prostitute later on in the film. Um, and oh, I had it, and now it's gone. I think I'll come back to it. Oh, here it is. Actually, I'll save that for later. I'll save it for later. So they put him into an MRI, and by him I mean Cole. And he goes, "Can someone talk to me, please? I need someone to talk to me, please." And um, he goes, "I got someone there." One of my there. favorite lines in the movie. When, when, I'm, when I'm racing, there's someone there, and he and he talks to me. Yeah. Is that basically the line, Liam? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. 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 I can't see him, but I can hear him or something like that. Yeah. It's poignant yeah. because he's blind at the time, so he can't see. It's kind, can of, kind of like a comfort thing. Needs him. someone to talk him down. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. we shoot to the next day, and Harry has slept there in those uncomfortable chairs beside. And Cole wakes up, and we see it through his eyes for a minute. And he goes ahead, and then um, he's trying to verbalized it. Rowdy should have been gone, but he wasn't. He goes, it's fine, you're fine, you're fine. And then Harry goes and gets the whole team and what I thought was absolutely brilliant. Now, it, it's 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 a little edgy on the humor side, but the team all come in wearing, like, sunglasses and pretending <laughs> that you. they're blind. And yeah, it's the do. kind of ribbing that you do with a friend after they've been through a scare and everything go, I'm really, really glad you're okay. You kind of make fun of a the thing they were afraid of so that they can laugh their way through it on the other side. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I liked it. I didn't. Okay. <laughs> Ellie, can yeah, you tell but... us why you didn't like it? It made yeah. me feel uncomfortable. Just, I don't know. It was, it was just really mocking. And... It's know. just a way of breaking the ice though, Ellie. It's just the yeah, way they're, they're, make, they're making light. Make, they're making light of his injuries and 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 trying to cheer him up. I mean, we, we, like if he was permanently blind, they would never have done that. Like we hear, mean? we hear later that Rowdy and all the race car drivers won't go to funerals, won't go to the hospital because it reminds them of the, what they might be. So these, we, we, it's made clear to us this is a culture by which people don't address their concerns, talk about things about their their the fragility of life, they just kind of find other ways to talk about it. And I think this is one of those one of those times. Yeah. I this think. is them addressing what's happened but making a joke out of it. Yeah. yeah. It's nothing that I would do yeah. it's something that I would do in my actual real life, but I appreciate the characters on the screen doing it and why they've done it. If I ever go like temporarily blind, feel free to reenact this scene. <laughs> but then that would be an homage. <laughs> that would be an homage to a memory we have. So that's even different than if we didn't have that conversation. 
So um, enter Dr. Lyle Wiki again. And this is the part where it's great because they've said he's going, oh, this is my doctor. And there's lots of looking around and Harry's figuring out going, no, don't do it, Cole. Don't do it. <laughs> what do you oh, he's really impressed. He's going, this is some, I got that was impressive when they hired the two cars and stuff. Like you've got like a stethoscope and a flashlight. And what are you going to do with that? And they're going, Cole, no, don't do this. <laughs> it's actually the it's doctor. Actually, oh, I'm sure it is. And he grabs her hand, puts it on his groin and goes, isn't this what you're looking for? It's not my field of expertise. It's not my field of expertise. Interesting enough, but yeah, it's not my specialty. And here's the question I kind of have is going again. How much control did Tom Cruise have over the story? Because if you he didn't write the script, he wrote the story. So how specific mm-hmm. it gets, I don't know. But if he's handpicked the actress and now gone, <laughs> I want a scene where she like I grab her hand and put it on my groin. I'm like, this is getting a little. Just wanted to be able to size me up. Yes, just wanted because it'll be. I will do a scene earlier where someone else has to grab my groin. You know, for artistic sake. <laughs> um, and then he goes, "She's the real thing," and they go, "Yeah." And I'm going. Like, there's no way you can do this joke in 2020, is there? If this movie came out today, no. you could not do this scene, could you? No, no, not now. No. No way. No, it's, it's a little too close. I'm with Liam. With you me too, Liam. No way. Do no, we blame no. Cole? No. No, because he's just no. come out of a massive brain injury. One of the last things he remembers <laughs> is his friends hiring him a prostitute. Yep. And he just assumes they've done it again. And the I way don't... she reacts to it is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, they kind of only give him the same gift every time and nothing yeah. else. But it's just like, like he just must really think the guys really like him. Maybe that's a better way to put it. You know what I mean? Like every time Should we should we get on a card? Just get him a prostitute again. I don't blame Cole, I blame Tom. You blame Tom. <laughs> yeah. Oh Tom Cruise, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then we have a great scene where Rowdy and Cole are being wheeled to their next meeting, and they turn it into a race. And this becomes a theme of these two have got a race at everything. It's the rivalry all over again. Yes. <coughs> and then they go into a meeting, and they're told, if you keep racing like this and damaging each other, we're going to disqualify you from NASCAR. And there's like, before this, though, they make Dr. I want to call her Chase Meridian, but that was her character's name in Batman, Dr. Claire Lewicki. Lewicki, I'm pretty sure. And she goes, no, no, no. What you have to do is I'm not sure if we can race again. And then this guy from NASA goes, whoa, whoa. Tell us about it like we're not medical specialists. Are there melons squashed? And I'm going, I I hate this guy. Whoever this guy was, I'm like, you suck. Sleazy. Just sleazy and like. Like, there's no way, even NASCAR with its, like, good old boy branding is, like, letting this guy go, listen here, Miss Scientist, we've had enough of you and you're just, are there melons going to hold together? But also, nothing about what she said was actually scientific. It no. was very clear. <laughs> but then we had Big John, and Big John was the head of NASCAR, and he's played by some big actor. I forget who he was. He had a, he had a big role on Law and Order for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And he starts talking about the Japanese inspection, and I'm like, oh, no. It's gonna get it's gonna get into some racial slurs, and it, and and we did. We got a racial slur for Japanese people, but they yeah. talk about leaving lettuce out to rot, and that basically the drivers are of a lettuce, which I thought was it was a strange choice here. But this is actually based on a meeting that happened um, again. They had to get uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr. and never a racer called Jeff Bodine and get him into a room and say, 
you guys actually have to um you guys have to go to dinner with us because you need to fix this relationship uh the actor in question was fred thompson, fred thompson who would later go on to be a u.s senator <laughs> so oh. yeah and so outside the hospital we have a couple of quick things one is tom cruise cole trickles asking out the doctor and goes could i see you and i don't mean on the track and then uh, I just got written down. I stopped paying attention and going, even though it's crimped in like, or it kind of looked crimped in that 90s style, I just love Nicole Kidman's hair in this. Was it not permed? I have. Is it permed? I have it written in my note. Yeah, it's amazing. But it's like, it's like, it's like a really well done perm. Yeah. I have. But I yeah, I have. Uh, best part about this film so far, Nicole Kidman's hair. Her hair can't be it's naturally frizzy like that, can it? Like her hair is naturally yeah, frizzy. Yeah, is. You look at her in um, her early film, BMX Bandits, it's the same. Yeah? Yeah, but that's because yeah. the perms were... That's naturally like that, yeah. Yeah. I think later on, she starts to straighten it. And... Okay. So... Like, I'm not saying, because she had curly hair, but this was more like frizzy hair. Yeah, I, yeah, it's a natural it's hair. Cork through sure. curls. It, it, it is. It, it I think can I, be natural. I think yeah. I know what one of this week's polls is. Is it permed or is it natural? We'll go ahead and see. <laughs> if anybody can find that out, let us it's know. It's definitely naturally curly. Um, and then outside the hospital, so so love her hair. Off she goes, and then he's going to drive to dinner with Rowdy. But Rowdy's come to a conclusion. I'm not going to ride with you. You're not going to ride with me. We need to rent cars and race them to the track or to the restaurant. This bit makes me laugh, though, because one of them drives to this place. Yeah, they're willing to go that far together to yeah. Patriot Auto. And there's, and there's this great bit with a cross-cutting between this really civilized dinner. Everybody's waiting for them and them just smashing the crap out of these two cars. I'm on the beach. Now, there's a shot with lots of birds in it. And they threw lots of bird seed on the beach. And as a result, um, they drove through and they killed so many birds on the first take. Really? Yeah, they killed a lot oh, of wow. birds in that shot. So they didn't repeat it. But I'm just like, they really wanted the shot where the birds flew out of the way. Well, I guess some of them didn't fly out of the way as much. Oh, I'm actually told that 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 piece where they're crashing the, the rental cars actually happened between two race drivers. That was in like, yeah, in like the 1950s. It. Yeah. So there's so many like old NASCAR folk tales that sort of pop up here. And yeah. this is where we find out eventually that uh, uh, Cruz is going to be somewhat, he's, he's a little bit better. He's hanging around the track and we meet Russ Wheeler, who's going to race. And he's that fake nice guy. He's like, oh, it's such an honor to race your car. I won't do it as good as you, mister, but I'm really going to try my best. And he, it, and, smiley, and, smiley, smiley. And Cole Trickle kind of dismisses him. Did anybody yes. recognize who this was, who Russ Wheeler was? As you wish. As you wish. This is Carrie oh, Elwes. This is Wesley from Princess Bride. I did recognize him when, when he had his blonde hair, yeah. but like when he's in his helmet and stuff, I was, didn't get it. No, so this, is, this is as you wish. And he's so polite. Um, and Cole's distracted and not giving him any respect, which he really should, because he's so smitten that he sent like a million teddy bears to um, Dr. Claire's office yes. or her apartment. And he asks her, how tall are you? Because he asks her out on a date. And I'm like, is this going to have some bearing on the rest? Nope. I think it was just a joke that Tom Cruise has always um, cast opposite women who are taller than he is. Which is every female. <laughs> yes. to, be, to be fair, I think Nicole Kimmons like five ten or five eleven. <laughs> so, um, and it's interesting because uh, the short girls, whoop whoop, five three. Because they start a conversation <laughs> I, I though. Date Tom Cruise. There you go. 
Do you want to? I think he's a bit um, old for you now. They started the co- they started the conversation on the phone, and they finish it in the jeep. And I'm like, did you guys not talk with anything in like the thirty hours between that conversation? You mean in the jeep? Um, they have a checkup where they turn almost every light off. And at first, I was sort of picking on this, going, "This is so unrealistic." And then I went, "Well, no, hang on, brain injury. You 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 might turn the lights off for this, right?" If you check in his his eyes response to light, then yeah. yeah. Also, yeah. the idea about how you can balance and keep yourself, I think, situated without because yeah. sight can help you realize what ends up. But if you take the the, the 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 light out of it, then it's just your body's ability to regulate itself. Yeah. Um, and so we've got. Uh, and at the end of the the test, he just leans forward and just kisses her. And I'm I'm writing down on my notes. This is happening. Do we blame Cole for this one? <laughs> but then, like five. We're, we're but then, like five seconds later, she like like pushes him against the wall and like hardcore makes out with him. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't ignoring you. I was giving you a very now, thorough blame, physical. Now, do we blame Nicole for that one? I still blame yes. Tom. <laughs> In the sense that it's a doctor and this is her patient. Is yeah. that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she should have definitely waited. I mean, she was she was about to clear him for racing anyway, so she yeah. could have just officially done that and then. You know, well, we go from away. Liam. Are you eating something? No. Yeah. Is that a yeah? Yeah, I can <laughs> yeah. hear. I can hear that. <laughs> sorry. I try to be so discreet and calm. Liam, what are you going to learn that you try to be discreet and calm on these things, and we catch you every time? <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, folks. It's okay. <laughs> we cut, and they're in bed together. And the light's pouring through the window, and they've got white sheets everywhere. And he's decided, you know what we need to do here? We need to get some sweet and low packets, and I'm going to teach you about racing. And he gets... My, my note for this goes, ah, yes, talk sexy to me with splendor and race tactics. Like... <laughs> and we get the idea about drafting, at which point, you know, he talks about the one car making it the victory lane, which is underneath the blanket. Um, and then they just... Can... I, blame, I blame Tom Cruise for that. <laughs> hey, Nicole, Nicole Kidman's probably going okay what we're, we're doing what in the scene oh we just finished the script today so we're, we're, we're going to do the scene here we need Splendor pa- who's got a prop we need something yeah Splendor that will do <laughs> and so they go off to see Rowdy and Rowdy doesn't do well with the test and Rowdy falls over um, well, Rowdy doesn't go to the test to start with no he skips it yeah and this is where we find out that both yeah. of them want to control something that's out of control and uh, we sort of leave it there we find out that all Rowdy wants to do is become a farmer he just wants to make enough money that he can run a farm on the land he's been all his whole life wanted to get off the farm and now he just wants to go back to the farm that's all he wants that's it. he's yeah. a bit of a good old boy and so now Russ is the new hot star and Tim's got two drivers and they wonder how's that going to work and Tom's afraid Tom's very, very afraid of driving, and he purposely blows up an engine to get it. In his return race, he just blows up the engine. And again, that's a true story. A NASCAR driver did this as well when they were coming back from a, from a terrible injury. Um, and Cole, we find out now, won't, won't see Rowdy. What, what, he keeps promising Claire he's going to go see Rowdy, and he won't do it. Mm-hmm. And um, 
We keep finding out that Harry answers for Cole about a lot of things. Uh, we didn't mention earlier, Harry apologizes to the doctor on Cole's behalf <laughs> and explains, we dressed up a girl in a cop uniform. Please don't think this is Cole because he needs people to believe in him. And we actually get a little bit of, I don't know how much of Cole's character development is done by Harry telling other characters things. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Because goes, yeah. a, a lot. Again, he I needs, blame Tom. He needs people to <laughs> like him. And then it's... Uh, uh, Hey, Tom, you want to do any of the acting? I don't really want to do the acting. The driving, yeah, and the plot, I'm about that. But character development, <laughs> have someone explain that away, would you? <laughs> yeah. They didn't have, a, didn't have someone else fill in for the sex scene, though, did it? No, no, he's, he's up for that. Uh, and this is where, this is where <laughs> well, we... Well, that's have, when he does his own stunt. He does his own... <laughs> well done. And so this is when um, Harry goes, you know, they're afraid of death. They're afraid to talk to people. This is what happens. Um, Wheeler blocks Cole in pit lane. So when they go into pit lane, you're supposed to line up almost straight, like a parallel parking in many ways. And Russ leaves the back end of his car out so they can't get out. And it starts to show Tim's divided allegiance and the problems that's presenting. And um, Russ wins again after he crashes Tom out of the race. And he comes into the pit lane. And Tom just says, change my tires. And, and Wreck-It Ralph's going, but the race is over. And he goes, change my tires. And Mr. Cellophane goes, but the race is... He changes, so he changes his tires. And he goes on out. And as Russ is doing his victory lap with the checkered flag, he like T-bones him and knocks Please him out. Please tell me that's a true story. It is a true story. <laughs> yes! Because yeah, yeah. I love no, that scene is. so much. And he's fired. Everybody loses their jobs as a result of this. And so we cut to Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman in the car. And I just got the only name for this scene is let me out of the car, Cole. Let me out of the car. And I say car because her Australian accent couldn't have been any more present in this scene if she tried. Now, I am convinced that she was trying to play American in this film. Yeah, I am. Really? Because if she yeah. wasn't, you would have explained that she came from somewhere else. This is Dr. Yeah. So-and-so. She's just come over from Australia. She's great. But she sounds Australian yeah. for the whole thing. I think she's trying to cover it up, and this is her, the best she could do at that time. Yeah. This is her there first are, American there are film. twangs of Australian mm-hmm. coming out throughout, uh, I think. But I think the let me out of the car call, like those hard cuz were not good. If, she, if you called him David, I don't think she has nearly as a hard time. But let me out of the car call, car call, call, car. Um, she says in denial she pushes him says she'll cow the police so she can't control and then she finally goes I hate you for this you make me sound like a doctor and I went well hang on why does Dr. Claire hate being sounding like a doctor like she's she's, there's not been one conversation at any point before this in the movie where she talks about not wanting to sound like a doctor and now she just throws up this line you don't race on her Parking lot, you don't race whatever, yeah. says, don't she? Give the you, whole she goes, not even race. Yeah. She goes, you, you shouldn't be driving on a race course. You shouldn't be driving on a road. And you certainly shouldn't be driving in a parking lot. Yeah, and she says control true. is stupid. And so Tom Cruise goes, well, how am I going to get back into her good books? I know what I'll do. I'll visit Rowdy. And we find out that Rowdy's playing pool and popping a bunch of painkillers every day. And he starts saying if, if, if Claire was a male doctor, they would have cleared him. Uh, and this is the, this is 1990. I mean, this is when brain injuries and concussions. I mean, this is still very early days for most of this stuff. We didn't know a lot about how the brain works in that regard. But he goes and says, "Hey, this this trophy here. What was this for?" And he goes, "I don't remember that one." He goes, "Yeah, it's for the Winston Cup." Now, the Winston Cup is like the Super Bowl championship for NASCAR drivers. It is your end of season oh. award for the overall points leader. 
So this is like the Stanley Cup, the Super Bowl, the, uh, the, the Premiership Trophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the pinnacle. And he goes, yeah, I can see how you can understand that. And he that goes, was lost on me. Yeah, I thought it would be. Just because yeah. it might not cross over. But then he grabs a no. baseball bat and goes, we're going to fix your head out. Should we do it now or should we do it later? And I'm like, whoa, Tom. His his wife and kids are in the next room hearing you scream at how you're going to like bust the dad's head open with a baseball bat. I blame Tom. But I blame Tom for that one. <laughs> He's like, and then I'll grab a baseball bat. We're like, Tom, we no, I'm doing it. I'm going to have sex with Nicole Kidman. I'm going to use some splendor. I'm going <laughs> to kick someone with a baseball bat. I'm going to drive a car really fast. And, guys, and I want to know the truth. And a motorcycle. Right there. And so Rowdy goes back to the hospital. We find that he'll never race again. And he has a one request to Cole, race my car. And the logic for why Cole has to race his car is really tough for me to understand. Because somehow if someone else races his there car, yeah, it'll help pay off his farm. I'm like, wait, what? Because next year maybe someone else will race my car. I'm like, well, why would you? You don't own the racing team, Rowdy. There's no part of this no. that gets you the money. No. You've already said the sponsors are into you, not somebody else. So if Cole wins, it doesn't matter. But the movie had to figure out a way for us to get Cole to Daytona. And this is the best they could do. Yeah. It, it seems like an afterthought. Good. And as you've already I hinted to. <laughs> as you've already hinted to the script was still being written yes. so perhaps this was written in so Cole then goes and visits um, visit Harry and Harry says nope don't want him don't want race car drivers and he's just hanging out with Buck and they're going to drink and they're not going to talk racing until 15 seconds after Buck leaves <laughs> why won't you build me a car and it's actually to be honest with you it's a great scene where they talk about how um, what was the guy's name again who dies uh, Buck's dad. Well, Buck's father. Okay. Something else like Bubba, Bub. Is this the guy uh, who died? Buddy, the pre- Buddy Bretherson. Uh, Buddy. Uh, Buddy. Yeah, Buddy Bretherson. Oh, Buddy. Yeah, I've literally got it written down on my sheet here. Yeah. So, Buddy, yeah. they have a fight. Uh, they go, You're afraid. They go, You're afraid as well. And he goes, You need this. He goes, Yeah, I need to. And finally, Cole says, I need to do this because I don't have anything else to define me. If I don't have this, he says, I'm more, I'm more afraid of being nothing than I am of getting hurt. And you know it's but serious. It, Sorry, go ahead. Isn't it that thing? Of, isn't it that thing of um, I've fallen off the bike? I've got to get back on. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of that. Yeah. Plus, he needs. I mean, he needs his redemption stories. The audience, we need to see redemption. There's too many jerks. There's too many pitfalls. There's things he's got to overcome. Yeah. And you can tell they're getting serious because Tom Cruise starts whisper acting. Let me drive. I won't let you down. Because we've done the shouty bit, now we have to do the whisper bit. He says, let me drive, I won't make a fool out of you. And he says that at the start of the film oh, as well. I won't embarrass so you, I won't make a fool of you, yeah. It's a nice little callback to what he first says when they meet. And just in case you're curious, yeah. if this is an important part in the film, the theme is softly going on in the background. <laughs> Great little yeah. thing. And then we cut to him talking to the car again. And the car's finished, but he's going, you know... And it's mellow yellow. Now, remember, they couldn't get like Bob's mechanic shop to sponsor them. And now you've got mellow yellow. Now, has anybody ever had a mellow yellow? I don't even know what a mellow yellow is. is. Liam, have you had a mellow yellow? Don't know what it is. Oh, a mellow yellow is a soft drink. It's kind of like a, a version of Mountain Dew. It's heavily caffeinated. Basically, it's Coke's version of Mountain Dew is what it is. 
And so more product placement here big time because in this heroic moment, we're going to have him driving not a flat-out Coke product because that would be a little bit too on the nose. Plus, you know, Coke barely gave us enough money to put their big multinational corporation logo on. (laughs) But Mellow Yellow is a nice – plus it had that cool early 90s like green and yellow neon kind of color palettes. Yeah. And then as he's talking to it, he says, I need to take care of Cole. And there's a bunch of fluid on the floor. And he goes, not the kind of answer I was looking for. From you. And this is where we find out that they need to get an engine. And we find out later it comes from Tim. But we have Daytona. We have a montage of actual drivers mixed in with some fake drivers saying about what they think about. It's like there's only two drivers in this whole field. We see races with like 40 cars. But if it's not rowdy, Cole, or Rusty, they don't exist. Mario Andre, isn't it, isn't he? No, it's the guy yes. playing. It's no, it's like um, Sepetetti. It's 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 Jay. What's his name? The the producer. They base the character off Mario Andretti, but it's not Mario Andretti. Oh, yeah. okay. But haven't they got like a Richard Petty type character? As well? They do have a Richard Petty type character there, yeah. So and 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 then a few legits, but um, but back to the, like if it's not rowdy, it's Cole. If it's not Cole, it's Rusty. And how lazy were they? Rowdy and Rusty are his two. R is two. Like, a, they're both R's and N then Y's. Isn't he just called Russ? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Russ Wheeler. Sorry, it is Russ Wheeler, not Rusty. Russ. Yeah. Apologies. Let's keep it simple. Russ. Um, and, so, and so Claire says she won't watch because she's come back and they've made up, but he's going to walk him out. And he says, again, I'm more afraid of being nothing than I am of being hurt. Uh, we have Russ Wheeler uh, has these really douchey sunglasses on. He does, doesn't he? And he's got this girlfriend yeah. who's got like a short haircut that's like up, like kind of like the, in films in the in like 1990. This would be like your 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 villain girlfriend kind of look, <laughs> the aesthetic. Yeah. Also, he's he's got those little tiny sunglasses on as well that make him look like a villain from Die Hard. Yeah, yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes. <laughs> he is. Yeah, but his 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 girlfriend makes uh, makes it look like uh, the Bond villain. Um, I can't remember her name. The Bond villain uh, dives off um, the. Um, Ah, oh, the building oh. in Paris. I can't. Oh, oh, Go on, Liam. oh, Grace Jones. Correct. Yeah, that's here. Looks like yeah. Grace Jones. Okay. Reminds me of her. Um, and we have this clear. She's got the black hair, the black sunglasses, and like a tan suit. And then you have Nicole Kidman, free flowing, not gelled, but naturally frizzy, curly, permy hair. And then like a like the whitest whites you could find. And they're both being flanked you don't by their white girlfriends. At a racetrack. And she'll find out why in a, in a, in a couple hours. Um, yeah. And so Claire stays, we find out. Uh, she doesn't tell Cole. And then Cole is silent and won't speak to Harry until there's an echo of the crash. And there's a smoke in the corner. And as he goes in the corner, he has these flashbacks of the first crash. But all the cars roll out of the way as they're supposed to, as we spoke about earlier. And then he finally goes, woo! And everybody goes, oh, thank God he's speaking. And he goes, all right, Harry. And at this point, it's like he's in a car that goes 15 miles faster than everybody else's car on the racetrack just because he found his confidence. And that's stock cards, remember? Yeah, stock cards are all supposed to be the same. All the same. It's like, everybody out of the way. We need the finish of the movie to occur. (laughs) Yeah. They read the script. I blame Tom. Cole passes Russ. And Kidman goes, go call. And we're like, oh, she's she's into racing. Excellent. After being like, I won't ever see a bunch of Neanderthal egomaniacs go racing around a track. She's She's been changed. Tom was right. And the pretty smart girl was wrong. Splendor packet. <laughs> yeah, I blame Tom. And then his accelerator gets stuck. 
and then it goes from his accelerator being stuck to it's like the movie needed to find two things in quick succession that were really stupid but the accelerator gets stuck and then he gets hit and as we're looking hit the accelerator is no longer stuck but he can only drive in reverse so he drives in reverse which was a funny visual all the way down to pit lane i'll tell you what anytime i've tried to drive in reverse at any sort of speed i'm really bad at it richard how are you at it you're i think you're a better driver than i am uh, oh, oh, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> cars only are we limited to speed in reverse. Are because we don't drive oh, automatics. Yeah. Oh, in reverse, in reverse, no one's shifting <laughs> gears. I got news for you. It's just one R and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's a time when I'm equal to all of you. Uh, and um, so I can, I can cheat a little bit. I have parking sensors on the back of my oh, car. Oh, very nice. And so we find out that he's got to, they, they finally fixed the gearbox. He only has the high gears available to him, but he's got to beat the pace car. Because if he gets behind the pace car, he'll be over a lap behind, and that's the race. And so they push him to get him out, and then Tim orders the other team to also help push him out. And some guy from that's Na- my engine in that car. And some guy from NASCAR push. goes, "Hey, you're not allowed to do that." And he basically goes, "I'll do it because I want to do it." And the guy from NASCAR goes, "Oh, fair enough." <laughs> <laughs> like in reality, Cole Trickle was just disqualified. <laughs> like he's just he does yeah, not yeah. win. Hey, like five minutes after the race ends, the they disqualify him. That's what I want to see, like, five minutes later when they go, actually, you you don't win, and you lose everything, and Rusty's going to lose his house. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> or Rowdy, not Rusty. Um, Rowdy. So oh, then he gets yeah. out there, and he goes, thankfully, Russ reminds us, I know Cole. He always tries to go high. Like, there's two options. You go high, you can go low. Like, I'm like, yeah. this doesn't make you a great race car driver. It means there's two options, and we determine that apparently Cruz only knows one way. <laughs> And so he tries to do it once. He gets put in the wall. And Cole goes, I'm just setting him up. He goes the second time. He puts him in the wall. I'm just setting him up. And then he goes, this one's for you, Harry. And he goes, hi. Another good line. A great line. And he tries to block him. At which point then Cruz goes low. And before Russ can adjust, Cruz puts him into the wall. And then eventually they went back and reshot this. And they actually had them cross the finish line. And Cole wins. And the score is rampant, and Nicole Kidman comes... She somehow knows what to do when you win, because she jumps the barrier with all the people who've done it a thousand times. I'd be like, what yeah. do we do now? What's? I've never <laughs> been to a race before, but she knows. She didn't know what colors were, did she? Did not know. It's a long race. I guess people said, if he wins, we're going to do this now. And so she greets him, and he kisses her. And he goes, I thought you were going to you were gonna watch. She goes, I lied. And they make <laughs> out like crazy. At which point, they cut to her for a brief moment, and her face is like, it's like, it's like Mary Poppins in like the end of the film Mary Poppins, where she's like with the chimney sweeps, it's like black all over. Before soot. she like reapplies the soot. So it's like it's all splotchy. So you have this mix of white and the black. And then um he goes to find Harry, because no one can see where Harry is, and Harry's just sitting there. And he goes, You didn't know how this was gonna work out, did you? He goes, No. And I'm thinking, well, no one does. That's why they have races. You don't know who's gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> or or maybe it's maybe this isn't actually in character. Maybe Cruz is going that the person Tom Cruise is going to the actor Robert Duvall going, you didn't know how this was going to end because they hadn't finished the script yet. <laughs> <laughs> I blame Tom. Maybe he's going, You didn't know how this No, I didn't know we was gonna end. Goes, Where are we going? So, so Robert Duvall was looking for his line. Yeah, maybe. And he's going, We're supposed to go to Victory Lane, aka Robert, you haven't learned the new lines yet. We need to go over there. <laughs> At which point he goes well, can you walk? And he goes, well, I think maybe I'm going to race you. And they run. And Duvall's got such a look of boyish joy on his face. And Cruz yeah. loves to run himself in a film anyway with, 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 the, with the karate chop hands. 
and they freeze in the least attractive sort of joyful pose for both of them i really liked that little race at the end and that's the end of it and then we get a terrible song over the end credits which was the last note of freedom it was called which was written by hans zimmer the guy who sang it david coverdale and billy idol which i thought was kind of strange and it is dreadful it is atrocious there's a reason that thing did not chart it was bad and that is um in a nutshell that is days of thunder so i'm curious about our newbies who saw this the first time how did you sort of feel about elliot start with you how did you feel about the film oh um i didn't (laughs) i didn't feel like an awful lot happened um wait whoa whoa, whoa. okay hang on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> kid comes from nowhere becomes a nascar star has a budding rivalry uh almost dies because of a giant crash rehabilitates himself tries to reestablish himself can't get over his fear gets fired from his team goes and visits his dying friend who lets him go ahead and get back in the car wins the race to win the game okay i'll give you the and blunt version it still feels like nothing happens <laughs> um yeah i'll give you the blunt version it was it was really really dull i nearly fell asleep twice what? and i really didn't find it no. very entertaining at all Boo. i was trying to be oh, polite Boo. georgia it's a, it's a it's a classic it is a cl- well we've got, a, we've got a bit of a history with that georgia um for once i actually agree with ellie even though it is a classic i think y'all are tripping on nostalgia hard because I wrote my first note on this film. It was that boring at 40 minutes in when the crash happens because I was not engaged at all until that point. And then the most You're going to get us some more hate. You know, <laughs> we're going to get more hate mail because of this. <laughs> more hate mail. It's fine. We can get the hate mail. It's well, to be fair. Publicity is yeah. good, good publicity. That's true. You're anyway. going to no, race, I, Georgia. <laughs> it's just not good it's boring the pacing is all over the place it like suddenly like you're really in a really dull conversation then bam there's a crash and then bam he's fine again and then bam blah, blah, blah. like you can tell that this was not written like before they started filming because oh my goodness does it jump all over the place the script is horrendous like some of the writing is dire oh i think and the right no i think the writing's going, okay no it's not it is, it is. they're just ta- they, it's just bad it's so bad and i did not care at all about any of the characters or relationships until the last 10 minutes of the film but that's not a good mark of a film if it takes you 120 minutes for me to care about any of these people then no nah, like when he crashed i kind of went okay which one am i supposed to care about here because they hadn't established the characters well enough in 40 minutes there was no one i cared about like you don't Anymore hang on. About the you don't care. That you, I did anyone else. you don't care about Cole Trickle in the crash. No, because he's not been introduced to us well enough. And we you don't, we care don't know about where Harry. he's come from. We don't know who he is. We no. don't know anything oh. about I'm him. Gonna argue respect- I'm going to argue respectfully. I'm going to argue respectfully that we do because we see and we cheer the development of the bond between Harry and Cole throughout. At the start, when he's a punk kid, yeah, we don't care about yeah. him. But as they both soften towards each other, and then as we find out, they the movie tells us they're winning because they give him success. And we see them interacting. But but your argument was that we didn't care about him. And I think the movie's clearly told us, here's the reasons you should care about him. You might reject those ideas, but the movie's given you ideas for why you should care about him. Not very, not enough. I didn't like it. I did not find it interesting enough for me to care about it. Um, I don't think 
they spent enough time on character development. They spent too much time on, oh, like a fast car. No, the, I'm not going to deny. The there is a bit of the fast car-itis thing in this because they're, they're going for a, a box office smash. And that was the, it's a Jerry Bruckheimer film. At the end of the day, yeah. it's a Jerry Bruckheimer film, and that's kind Don't of things. Don't Jerry Bruckheimer. Yeah, I mean, Bruckheimer gets a little bit of a nice wash a little bit later on when he does things like Pirates, but that's the exception. Mm-hmm. Jerry Bruckheimer made a lot of popcorn films, of which this is nowhere yeah. near a, 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 the worst of them by any means. Uh, boys, what do we think about this? We've seen this a bunch of times. Um, um, I actually just got. Oh, a, I, I just got a message from our friend it. Kevin, who said if we ever do Top Gun, give him a call. So, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, excellent. Uh, I, think it was a good shout, I think it was a good shout to that. Um, some, some would say that this is Top Gun on wheels. Well, I, actually, I'm going to talk about that at the end because I think I think you're 100 percent right. But how do we feel about this film, independent of that, uh, gentlemen? If we shall, because the ladies have had their chance to kind of go, didn't like it. I think it holds up. I really, really like it. But I think it might be one of those films where this is what happens, where the guys say, really liked it. And the girls say, didn't really like it. Yeah, yeah. I really liked it. I like this. I, um, I like it. I like I like the adrenaline junkie feel to it. I like the fast-pacedness of the cars. Um, I love the music in it. I think it drives it forward. Without the music, it wouldn't be so driven. I don't think. Not driven. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to be funny no in any way. No. Um, and there's some great little moments from different characters in this film. And they're only small, minor moments, but they're yeah. great moments. Um, and there's some very tender moments. Yeah. Richard, how about you? You, you, said, uh, you think it still holds up? Uh, yeah, absolutely. It still holds up. And Robert Duvall, for me, is, is a great actor in this. And he's a great actor anyway, but he's a great actor in this. And we see that relationship grow between uh, Tom Cruise and, and Robert Duvall uh, in, throughout this. And it, it's what happens in, in race car driving. You know, they, they get a bond, um, you know, almost like brothers bond. And, yeah, you see the character development. Yeah, I, I think it holds up totally, yeah. I do. And I even, even something like Le Mans 66, which you haven't seen, um, you said, Richard, but Liam, I know we saw that. And that idea yeah. about, the, about the relationship between the guy in the car and the guy in the headset. I mean, that's really well established. And I think borrows yeah. from something like Days of Thunder. Yeah. Yes. Georgia. Yeah. See, just while we're in the, that kind of comparison, I was also there whilst we watched uh, Le Mans and thoroughly enjoyed it and was engaged and cried and thought it was a brilliant film. And yet this one just did not get anywhere close to that. I will give you that this one's very racing heavy, even like much more yeah, so than, than, than Le Mans. I will give you that. Yeah. Um, I was going to say... I think it just spends, spends too much time on the racetrack and not with the characters. I was going to say something mm. very similar to Georgia, actually. I, I enjoyed Le Mans as well. And although I, I don't think I liked it as much as the rest of you, and I would say that perhaps, you know, the kind of car racing films perhaps just... I don't like them as much, so I might rate them a little bit lower than the others. But definitely, I did enjoy the storyline that went along it, alongside it with with Le Mans, and okay. I just didn't feel like we had that here. Um, that feels like a good place to sort of segue and go. Um, you know, is this? Well, I'm going to ask: Is this the best racing movie of all time? And I know no. the girls are going to no. say no. Uh, I'm also going to say no. Um, no, Richard, any thoughts? Um, I'm going to say no, because I think there are others out there. Um, I haven't seen Le Mans, so I'd have to no. take your word for it. But um, 
there are others out there that are far and away like better than on their mind rush for me rushes is, is yeah. the best racing movie of all time 100 percent, yeah, yeah yeah absolutely yeah. that's where i was going rush is certainly if you didn't know the history there rush gives you the history as well so, so and can i just point in the fact here yep um steve mcqueen did a film called le mans he did in 71 i want to say yeah and it weren't a great movie again there's a lot of problems with scripts and yeah. everything else and Steve McQueen had so much control over it and then he lost control and blah, blah, blah. But what they did do for cinema photography was having the camera on a car in amongst the race. Oh, okay. So they had a film car racing with the other cars to give you that visuals. Okay. And that set the standard for the rest of the racing car movies to come later. Okay. So even though it's not a great movie, it still pioneered. It it, It was an important one anyway, yeah. Important, yeah, yeah, yeah. And ladies, I'm assuming you're going to at the very least say Le Mans was better than this. So is that your yeah, I th- favorite? I don't know if you've I seen th- the whole... I think these are probably the only two that I've okay. seen. So, yeah. Georgia? Pixar's Cars is better than this. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I ran a poll today. And I'll, 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 I'll do it up after the fact. But I ran a poll in, in a sort of Facebook group for, for podcast I'm a part of and said, what is the greatest car racing movie of all time? And Cars came in second. Talladega Nights, The Legend of Ricky Bobby came in first, which I think would speak more to um, you can attract a lot of people with low-hanging fruit than you would say it's a great movie because it's not a great movie. It's uh, not a great movie. I don't like it at all. I like it. It's a funny movie, but I would not say it's it's better than Days of Thunder. Far from it. Uh, no, yeah. But you know who did say this was the best racing movie of all time was a Mr. Quentin Tarantino. Oh, cool. Oh, and wow. he makes reference to Le Mans, the 71 version, Liam, and says the fun element. He said, a racing movie can't take itself seriously. And he said, you need a little bit of the absurd, you know, video gamey kind of uh, thing of it. And that actually is present and why he likes Days of Thunder so, so very much. And then I asked Alexa, and Alexa said her favorite was Fast Five. <laughs> so, so go figure uh, wow. uh, I came across something Roger Ebert the American um, the American film critic came up with a list of what he calls the Tom Cruise movie formula that was especially present in the early days so if you think of Top Gun you think of this you think of Cocktail have a think and go how true is this of the Tom Cruise movie of the week early in his career Go for it. Tom Cruise is young and naive and naturally talented, but rambunctious. Yep. There's a mentor yep. character who knows talent when he sees it, and he helps the hero to mentor his craft. Yeah. There's yep. a superior woman, often older, usually taller, definitely more mature, who helps to mentor his spirit. I blame Tom. Step four. <laughs> There is a craft that must be mastered, whether it's racing, whether it's tending a bar, whether it's flying a plane. There is an arena where the craft is demonstrated. Uh, There's something called an arcana, specialized knowledge the movie knows and that what we as an audience must learn as well. So in this movie, it would be drafting. That was the arcana was we needed to know that concept. Uh, It's something else in the other movies. Uh, the Ark, a journey to principal places where the masters of the craft test one another. And then here are the good ones. The proto-villain, an early opponent who the hero practices against, but has a baptism of fire and later turns to love, respect them. So in this movie, it's Rowdy. 
in Top Gun, it's um, Iceman. Iceman. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a real villain who appears only in the third act. The ultimate test of the hero's skill, learning ability, love, craft, and knowledge of the arena and the arcana. And then Ebert would later add rule 10. There's a dying or very close to dying friend who gives uh, Cruz the emotional journey he needs for the final test. Mm-hmm, Which, of course, would be rowdy in this and would be Anthony yeah. Edwards' character. What was his name again? Goose. 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 Goose in uh, Goose. So I thought... Now, there's a, a film theorist called Vladimir Prop who had a very similar kind of level of steps. But I thought, as far as a Tom Cruise movie goes in the early days, I think he's kind of nailed it. Roger Ebert. Yeah, definitely. That. So, yeah. yep. is this... Let's make this a quick one. Is this the best Tom Cruise movie ever? No. 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 Is this anyone's best role ever? definitely not Nicole Kidman's. It's not Nicole Kidman's. I preferred Moulin Rouge to Robert this. See, this is my favorite Robert Duvall performance. And in our what other podcast, we did Newsies last week. <laughs> and Robert Duvall was bloody terrible in it. Like He is the singular worst part of that film. And yet to see him in this, where I really like Robert Duvall in this. And I think, I haven't seen him a ton of stuff. I think this is my favorite Robert Duvall performance. You don't like him in Apocalypse Now? Was, was, Love the smell of napalm in the morning. That's him. See, that's him. I, I don't like Apocalypse. You and I, I mean, we, we, we spent a long night watching Apocalypse Now once, and we I did, did not like did. that film. Uh, I'm going to go when you watch the extended cut by mistake. Yeah. performance. <laughs> He's so small. It's such a small performance, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, no, I'm still going to say this. Oh, did, you get, did you get Lonesome Dove over TV movie? No. No, we, we, we had the television series. I never saw it. Oh, you didn't? No. See, I liked him in that. Um, definitely not John C. Riley's best. Um, definitely not Carrie Elwes' best. I think we'd all agree. For those of us who saw it, Princess yep. Bride is better than this. Because yeah. to be yep. fair, he didn't have much to do here. He was just the villain, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We talk about the false dynamic. Okay, it's time for the bests. Who was your best performance or favorite performance or favorite character in this film? Let's go. Uh, Liam, Richard, Georgia, Ellie. That'll be the way we go around the circle. Liam, who's your favorite character in the film, buddy? Robert Duvall, Harry. Oh, was it? Okay, yeah. Yeah, he's my favorite. He has been right from day one, when I first see it, to now. Yeah. <laughs> when you didn't um, see it. <laughs> there's something about Harry. It's old school. He's willing to to work with what's in front of him. Um, he even learns a bit about himself, you know, and it's, it's a combination of... Um, a guy who was loved the sport, who was never ever going to enter the sport again, and then he comes back into it, you know. And he'd already made his peace with it, yeah. with not going back, even though that's his life. And then goes back, and his relationship with Tom's character, uh, uh, what's his name, Cole. Cole, yeah. I just love the whole thing. I like their, I like their camaraderie together. And maybe we didn't really maybe we didn't talk enough about the idea about what he must be afraid of, you know, having a second driver die on him inside the car. And yeah. can he could Harry handle that? I mean, this is a guy who already is drinking moonshine, um yeah. sequesters himself away, puts himself in his own sort of uh oh, what's it called when you exile. He's almost exiled himself to his farm and not talking yeah, to anybody. Exactly, yeah. And then what happens if a second driver dies? Another one who he believes in. Another one who trusts. Remember, although I trust you, Harry. I trust you, Harry. I, what happens yeah. if that trust kills you? Wild. Yeah. Uh, Richard, favorite performance in this? Favorite character? Um, I've got. I've got to agree with Liam. Uh, Har- Robert Duvall, Harry Hogg. Um, you. You just. 
you know, from when you you first see him on the farm and he wants nothing to do with NASCAR to uh, making his relationship with Cole uh, and and then getting back on the track even after Cole's accident. You know, yeah, it, Robert Duvall for me. Okay, Georgia. Cole Kidman's boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I blame Tom. I blame Tom. (laughs) I thank Tom. You thank Tom, okay. (laughs) Ellie? Um, Probably Harry as well, but um, I didn't notice Nicole Kidman's boobs, especially in this film, but I would like to give an honourable mention to her hair. I feel like that was a character in its own Oh, that's that's good, yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. I'm going to... Robert Duvall, yeah, he... Just to be a bit different, Robert Duvall would have been my pick outside of that. I'm going to go Michael Rooker as Rowdy. I thought there was um, to, to play the, the the hero who gets brought down and unlike Cole, he doesn't get any chance for redemption. His chance of redemption is family and away from the limelight and the pain and showing the, you know, kind of like the steps of grief, you know, denial, bargaining, all that sort of stuff until final acceptance. I thought Michael Rooker did a good job on that. So uh, although I say Duvall is my number one overall, I'll, I'll give my airtime, if you will, to Michael Rooker, who I thought was really, really good. Uh, best bit, best best part of the film. Could be a best scene, could be a best element of it. My favourite part is the T-bone in the, the car, Russ's car. Oh, the, the the little bit where he hits him on victory lap. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Uh, Richard? Uh, any part of racing on the racetrack for me, but that's probably uh, a, a boy thing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they make lots of noise and they go bang. <laughs> Uh, yep. Georgia, because um, let's face oh, it, sorry. we all watch racing for the for the crashing, really. <laughs> That's why I used to watch ski jumping, uh, Georgia. <laughs> surprise, surprise! Nicole Kidman's boobs. <laughs> Noted. Uh, if she's going to get them out on camera, we're allowed to notice them. That's all I'm saying. Okay, Ellie. Thanks, um, thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> I blame Tom. I thank Tom. You can, you can choose the hashtag of your choice. Yeah. Um, for me, it would definitely be the scenes that have Nicole Kidman in them. Um, probably, I really liked the bit when when he goes and asks her out as she's leaving work, and she gets in her car, and she's just like really nonchalant, and she kind of keeps reversing between sentences, and kind of just. I guess it's realistic, yeah. And, and says, you know, it's not going to help you to get back on the track any any faster, and. I just, I just think that kind of gave her a bit of strength and it was quite a nice little scene. See, I thought her stuff was just kind of paint by numbers. She's the pretty girl in a Tom Cruise film, which uh, maybe unknowing to him, he keeps launching women to these superstar and kind of roles because he also <laughs> launches Renee Zellweger like a decade later in, in Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. Yeah. Great film. Um, yeah. I guess my best bit, I'm going to go with Richard, I think. Uh, I really liked... If you're going to do a film about race cars, you don't want a film about race cars that never has any racing in it. No. Um, so I like the spectacle of it, although some of the montages felt like they went, I don't know what race I'm watching now, what's happening here, da 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 da. So as an honorable mention, I'll go for the fight between, uh, not the fight when they're in the back of a lorry, but the fight about you're going to kill yourself if you get in a race car again. So I like that scene. I thought, I thought it was the best acting that Tom Cruise did in the whole film, and Robert Duvall, I thought he was great throughout. So... Uh, is there a bone to pick with this film? Liam had yes. his hand up. Oh, Liam, you had your hand up. Something you wanted to add? There's buddy? another bit I really like, the tender bit where he's having the MRI scan. 
Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I love that moment because that's the first time you kind of see vulnerability. No, there's some there's some good acting in that too. Yeah, yeah. And I I will mention Hans Zimmer's score. I thought it was good, even though it was ninety synth through lots of it. I still felt it held up. And that swelling. I mean, in a racing movie or any sports movie, I think the score is so important to help guide emotion. Yeah. I did like I did like the score in this. Not necessarily the song choices, but the actual score that is underneath the different races and that kind of stuff. I really enjoyed. I really rate "Give Me Some Lovin'." I thought that was a great choice for that <laughs> montage at the start. Absolutely. Um, a bone to pick with the film, Liam. Do you have anything? I do. Okay. The bit where Russ Wheeler blocks him because nothing is done about it, and he should have been penalised. <laughs> this film wasn't that concerned with the real rules of racing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But as a spectator, that bugs me. <laughs> there should, even if we had like a, a moment where like the slime ball boss is like, you know, smoozing the guys from the Winston Cup uh, officials and going, you know, hey, it's not big of it. Some reason to explain that away. Yeah. Yeah. Richard, a bone to pick with the film? Oh, difficult choices, really. Um, I'm not quite sure because, again, you know, I like the racing, I like the crashing. Um, you know, I, I, I get that the script was still being written as the film was shot. So in a way, I agree with Georgia. It could have been a bit more pacier, um, really, um, not, you know, in between the racing parts, um, but not, no, not really a bone to pick possibly, but that's just opinion. It's totally fine. Georgia, uh, maybe, maybe rather than list all the bones you have to pick with this, maybe just, just narrow it to one. (laughs) Okay, um, so I think I've mentioned most of them, but just the lack of, it's not even continuity, it's just lack of decent storytelling. Like, they go, oh, so he's got to race your car. Why has he got to race your car? Because movie's got a movie. Like, this yeah. might be the most movie-got-a-movie kind of script that we've hmm. done so far. There are so many different instances that happen. Why? We don't know. Are we going to tell you? Nah, we'll just pretend you won't notice. It's cars. <laughs> Brum brum, and then off they go again. Like there are just little bits throughout yeah. which don't make sense. And if it was just a more coherent story, it might have engaged me a little bit more. Right. Ellie, just the the pacing and the plot generally. Like, yeah, I don't really have okay. any more anything more to add than what I said earlier. See, I don't mind the pacing because the way I see the film. Let me know what you think about. It, is Same, I see I see Act One uh, obviously starts at the beginning and ends when. <laughs> I think act, act one does. I think Act One ends when Tom wins his first race. Yeah. When he wins the first race, that's your end of Act One. Yeah. Act Two is the fallout from that because we don't get to like a big montage of him winning. So we go and it's him coming through the injury. Yeah. And the stuff with Rowdy, and that's kind of Act Two. And then Act Three is kind of everything from when Rowdy says, race my car to the finish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the big thing for me in that regard then is. Uh, my big sort of bone to pick is I think that scene with Rowdy where they try and explain why somehow he has to drive his car. I'm like, it felt like they, were, they ran out of ways to get to the end. And one of the criticisms about days of thunder, uh, that even someone on the film career, I forget who it was now mentioned was they never really figured out how to make Tom winning at the end seem unexpected. Because I think everybody knows going into Daytona, Tom Cruise is winning this race. And yeah. there wasn't any... I think they made him Superman. If Tom Cruise wasn't scared of his own shadow, he's going to win every race, is what we basically turned into. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Georgia? 
my only other little bone to pick is why is this film called Days of Thunder? We don't get a thunderstorm at th- any point. Th- there is no recollection of like the days passing. What is what is it? The thunder the refers to the noise that's happening around around the racetrack yeah. that the cars make. Thundering around the racetrack. Okay. Mm. Well see that didn't that didn't resonate, but okay. For the record, I mean, this was this was more close to Days of Thunder than Breakfast Club was to a Breakfast Club. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Very they true. arrive really early and they're kind of a club by the see, end, so see, I can pass that see, one. At least Fight Club did what it said on the tin. They don't break <laughs> their fast. All right, so uh, let's play the age game. Let's do the age game, age game, age game. So really rapid fire, we'll go Liam, Richard, Georgia, and more appropriate me if I don't know. Really quick, we don't have to think about it forever, just kind of, and play along at home. And if you rude. if you do well, I guess let us know, why not? It'll be really quick because we'll have to skip two of the characters. There we go. So Tom Cruise, Cole. Tom. Tom Cruise, Cole Trickle. Um, 30. Mm, 28. I was going to say 27. I'm also going to go 30. 28. Oh, Richard got it. Richard. See, this is why we bring Richard on for the, for the car films. He just gets it. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll skip Robert Duvall because he was indeed 59. Was he really 59? Yeah. That's crazy. Um, oh, wow. And we'll skip Nicole Kidman because you've she already told us she yeah. was 23. Right, yeah. um, so, <laughs> Everybody's right. Everybody gets a point. <laughs> uh, oh, points for you. Points for you. John C. Riley. Fuck Brotherton. John C. Riley. Mm, difficult call. Because he's, uh, he's been balding since he was like 12, I bet. Liam's at 25, Richard? Uh, yeah, 25. When, when did this film come out? 1990. 1990. Um, when did Chicago come oh, out? Oh, very clever. <laughs> 2001. We've done that on the podcast, though. That's uh, uh, 27. 36. He's 25. Oh, wow. Oh, I've completely wow. screwed up. Yeah. But no, I would, I would be with you. I thought he looked a lot older than that. I think, like you say, it's just... No, I see. I, th- I was going to guess much younger, and then when George brought up, I went, I was trying to remember what we said, and I must have <laughs> got the number wrong. Yeah. Um, I thought we said about 30, 37, 36 in Chicago, so... Carrie Owens? Carrie Elwes. When did Princess Bride come out? 1985. <laughs> okay. Liam? 23. Richard? Uh, 21. I'm going to guess 27 again because it seems to be my number for this round. I think, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I'm going to say it's the same age as Tom Cruise. I'm going to say it's 28. He is. Hey, because oh, I think I almost said twenty eight. Because I think he was. Because I thought he was twenty three when Princess Bride came out, so I just added five. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, I thought he'd be. He's, I, I thought he's young a young rookie. So. Nah, he done. He done the lead in Princess Bride, but he was still pretty young in the grand scheme of things. And he played Snot Nose Kid pretty good in this. Yeah. And do you want Rowdy, Rowdy Burns as well? Yeah, one more on the way out. Rowdy Michael Burns. Thirty two. Yeah, 30. I'll go 31 then, because I was going to go 32. I'll go 35. He's 35. Hey. Oh, really? There we go. Last right. So there we go. So this just leaves us with our ratings. So as this works, Richard, Liam and I are kind of beholden to half point scales, but everybody else can kind of go a rating out of 10. You can get as creative with it as you want uh, as far as like decimal places. I mean, please, for the guy, I got to input this into a spreadsheet later. Please try to avoid going like four decimal points deep. <laughs> but generally, you can kind of have a little bit more freedom Recurring with it. Recurring numbers. Yeah. Liam, what is your rating out of 10? 
eight and a half. I really love this film. Okay. And I am very nostalgic about this film. And I just love the music. I love the racing. Um, I love the tender moments in it. So eight and a half. Okay. Uh, Richard? Uh, It's an eight for me. Again, like Liam, I like the racing. I like the music. Hans Zimmer, brilliant. Um, Yeah, eight for me. Okay. Uh, I shudder to think. Georgia? I'm trying to decide whether I like it more or less than Fight Club. Um, which is <laughs> kind of like the level I'm on. Remind us what but you gave Fight Club. One has got Helena Bonham uh, I think Carter. we talked her into a four, I think. <laughs> and one has got Nicole Kidman, and but one's got Hans Zimmer music, and that's that's always good. But Surely Nicole Kidman's boobs get I, a, a marker. I, <laughs> yeah, kind of. I, I, I don't think... There was any, I mean, your big issue with Fight Club, as I recall, was that you felt it reinforced hyper-aggressive masculine traits. Like, this was a ma- this was a boys' movie, but it wasn't like a danger, outside of the fact they were being reckless with their driving. I mean, it wasn't like it was, like, I don't know, I didn't yeah, get into my car and start driving around. like, two people with brain injuries. No, it's not dangerous at all. Okay. Um, <laughs> What's of a film where nothing bad happens to anybody? No. <laughs> you no, love Chicago. Not. What's the message of Chicago? Go kill people, you'll get away with it? get away with it yeah, yeah. absolutely right. <laughs> it's um, female empowerment <laughs> the message is he had it coming yes <laughs> okay so georgia okay, i'm gonna give this four and a half <laughs> so it's a bad movie it's a bad movie okay fair enough i did not enjoy it Ellie. i enjoyed talking about it though i enjoyed actually hearing you guys talk about it was like kind of heartwarming more than the film was, but I was going, oh. <laughs> Ellie so do we get extra marks then yeah you guys get like we a get 7 out of 10 <laughs> podcast good good be talking just 7 jeez hard crowd Ellie um, I, I am also going to give it a 4.5 out of wow so it's a 4.5 oh, a 4.5 wow. and, and an 8 for the tiebreakers well Liam uh, you give it an 8.5 I'm going to give it an 8 I'm with Richard on this one it's a it, it's a good film I, I was talking to someone who kind of I don't know if they were trying to criticize or if they were just trying to get ahead around what the podcast is and they said is this what you think are the best films ever or your list of the ones you hold is the best and I'm like you're kind of asking me the same question here because all art is subjective <laughs> You know, I'm not going to say, I mean, there are some podcasts that sit down here on various uh, things with like scorecards and go, I gave it a nine out of this on cinematography and I gave it a six on this on score. And we don't do that because that's not how films work. Not every film is going to have the same balance or because if you were mm. to rate Princess Bride on cinematography, it's not that good, but it's a great little film. Um, whereas other things are Ellie Hush. are like are, <laughs> whereas other things are masterpieces but I think at the end of the day it's how does the movie make you feel and I said to the person I said if a popcorn film wins this I'm okay with that if a comedy wins this I'm okay with that conversely if something like Citizen Kane wins this then I'm also fine with that because at the end of the day it's about how does a movie make you feel and let's not get so mm. caught up in and I'm the guy who teaches film studies but let's not get caught up in the whole artsy fartsy here's what a film essay has told me I'm supposed to think about a film how does a film legitimately make you feel without getting into yeah. overthinking perspective and I'm not accusing if you didn't like it you're totally allowed for those same reasons to go it didn't resonate with me that's fine but just some sort of scorecard that said mine added up to 19 so it's better than the film we're added up to 18 I'm like well, well no how does it make you like when you walk away do you go did you like this better than this like george's case did i like this better than fight club and going you know how did it make me feel and, and make a conclusion on that so you know i like it's it's it, it is a fun film 
It has lots it of cars, but it has it has stories of trust and redemption and relationships and enemies finding common ground and a clear arc of a victory point that we want to see them establish. And Shades of Grey. Yes, Tim is a jerk who turns his back on everybody, but he also gives them an engine for the car and helps push them out. Because you know what? People aren't simply we are good or we are bad. People are many shades of grey in, in a nuanced yeah. sort of area. And so... I would rather have that, and I'm okay with that. Liam? And a lot of the stories are true. Yeah, it's, it's a great little kind of, if you wanted the introduction to NASCAR culture, this is yeah. kind of a nice little touch for it, yeah. I do, I do prefer the film knowing that fact. Yeah. I think maybe if I'd have gone into the watching it knowing that, it might have gripped me a little bit more. So maybe I need to watch it again with those eyes, I'm not sure. But. So, before we, I mean, this did okay. I mean, it made $150 million. Like, it did well. It wasn't a top. It wasn't a top it ten. Well. It wasn't a top ten film that year, which is really right. interesting. I won't name you what the top ten were, but I will say that this came out the same. I'll do the top five. This came out the same year as Total Recall, Dances with Wolves, Pretty right. Woman, right. Home Alone, and Ghost. But actually, uh, Back to the Future. Oh, actually, Back to the Future Three and Die Hard Two both came out this year as well. And it's weird because yeah. I think this film feels more modern than both those films. Same. I think this almost. I'm not going to say timeless quality, but it doesn't feel 30 years old. No, it doesn't. I think you could tell me. I think it's because there's not much technology in it. I mean, cars are, race cars are like, I mean, people are going to shout at me for this, but like banger race cars are banger race cars. They always look like that. There's not been much development. So you, and other than that, there's not much technology. We see an MRI machine, which kind of doesn't, we still have, you have those and use those and they look like that. So I don't think it really has anything in it that makes you go, oh, this is an old film. Yeah. There isn't, it doesn't really have Nicole that. Kidman's hair. <laughs> Nicole Kidman's hair makes you go, <laughs> well, hair, her hair looks yeah. nothing like that now. I miss Nicole no. Kidman's red hair. Um, so, outside of that, first off, we just gotta give a big, a big thank you to Richard for joining us on today's episode. Yeah, thank you Richard. for having me. I hope it's been enjoyable. We'd love to have you come do some more stuff with us again, whether it's uh, it's race cars or even a little James Bond down the line. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And that just leaves us now to talk about what we're watching for next week. And next week, we uh, this week, I said, was big stars and fast cars. Next week, I'm going to say maybe even bigger stars and bigger stars. Because I have five words. Houston, we have a problem. Apollo... 13? We are doing Apollo 13 next week. Oh, great movie. Tom Hanks, Gary Sinise, um, Kevin Bacon. Uh, yeah. And if you know, if you thought cars went fast, I mean, we're gonna go. We're gonna get in a rocket and and fire ourselves. <laughs> yep, we're gonna fire ourselves into space, part of the space force, if you will. So that is what we are going to do next week so please join us next time when we blast off with apollo 13 so for best film ever i've been ian and i've been liam i've been richard i've been georgia and i've been ellie and for this podcast i put special tires on so we are the podcast that goes to the outside on turn four (laughs) we'll see you next time (laughs) love it
Well, let me out of the car. Let me out of the car! Let me out or I'm getting out. 